Yo, this is Carrie Nixon. Yo, this is Darmic X, and you're tuned in to the Encore Radio Show. The views and comments expressed on the following radio program by his hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the views of... Good morning, folks. This is the Uncle Radio Show. This, oh. is, this is Wise. This is I.S. Jones. I, I'm, I'm still working on cutting out the, your boy Wise. Yeah, no, I like it. I actually nah. do like it when you say your boy Wise. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that no more. <laughs> anyway, anyway. No. Yeah, we got a great show today, actually. Uh, we're this super is, excited for all our guests today. Yeah, this is our this is our second hip-hop roundtable uh, discussion. And it's it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. Let me just say mm-hmm. that. So, I'm going I'm to let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, who wants to go first? Alright, uh, my name is Darmic X, and I guess I'm a jack of all trades, master of none at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. figuring, figuring, it, figuring it out in Fair kind enough. of in transition. I used to host um, a radio show called NW3 Radio. Still hosted, I guess. We just put up a new episode literally this morning. Um, so, or an old episode, if uh-huh. you will. Um, so still doing that, I suppose, and then doing other things here and there as, as they happen. That's what's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, who am I? I am I am a writer. <laughs> Super famous. Oh, no, definitely not. I'm a writer. I am a, uh, the associate music editor at the Source. Nice. Um, I used to host a radio show at uh, Hunter College. Yes, yes. Um, okay. Which is basically where I kind of just started doing this, whatever this is. Um, and I am an avid follower of Vince Staples tweets. It's <laughs> 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 my side job. I've accepted it. I am Vince Staples Anonymous. Absolutely. Me, he is the realist. Me. You're listening to two members of the Vince Staples Anonymous. Absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and that's how we met actually. We really? met at a Vince Staples show. You're lying. No, oh, the House of Bands. Man, that was crazy. That was a crazy night. <laughs> yeah, so the first crazy. time we went supposed to have a Yo, if that happened Staples. today, the line would have been I mean, it was already crazy. But and like, he was opening up for Pusha. Yeah, so. and no one knew. Like, no one really knew what was happening. <laughs> that was That's witnessing history. That's crazy. That's what's up. Hunter, Hunter pushed them a lot. A lot of people out. Matter of fact, because I listened to your radio show, at Hunter, as You're well. Lying. I'm serious. No, I'm very oh, serious. That's how I met Cope. Shit. That's how I met Cope. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. is how we. Our producer, Cope, Cope is at yeah. yeah, you know. Yo, you didn't know? Oh, no, nah, yeah. no, I, I knew Chris. Around. I knew Chris like uh, when I saw Chris's tweet last night. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hit him up. I was like, "Yo, are you going to the podcast in the morning?" He was like, "I kind of like produce it." I was like, "Oh, uh. <laughs> all right." <laughs> but I didn't make that connection. Oh wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Copacetic, that's the OG. That's um, that's uh, he reared me. That's my oh, Cope is a lot of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Hunter put out a lot of people. I had a, I had a, I hosted the show at Hunter as well. Like nice. the, I think it was the year you guys stopped was the year I started there. Oh, that's so, crazy. Yeah, man. That's dope. That's dope. Anyway, uh, you know, so definitely thank you guys both for coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, absolute, absolutely, um, very happy to have you both here. 
we have a lot of things to talk about. Um, I, 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 I want to start off with something that went over people's heads that people, you know, well, I guess for the casual hip hop fan, it would have went over their heads, but for you guys, not so much. Uh, so for you, what was the most interesting thing to happen in the industry this year that went under the radar? It's been a very interesting year of hip hop. It definitely has. Twenty fifteen's so. been. Twenty fifteen was like. I feel like twenty fifteen's been really pivotal. Pivotal. It's been, it's been very fascinating. Yeah. I feel like I learned something new every year that made me think I was a dumbass the year before. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I've really, I've learned a lot about the industry and kind of how it works the last mm-hmm. year, and I would say the biggest thing I didn't realize is. Um, so you obviously you know that like just because an artist is independent it doesn't mean they don't have like a major distributor. Facts. For example, Macklemore before the songs hit radio, mm-hmm. he was on ADA, which is like an independent subsidiary of Warner. Yeah. That's how Rhyme Sayers comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these labels have it. But what I didn't realize is that these distributors actually sometimes put up money, put up advance money yeah. for artists. And so you're getting these situations now where people are signed to a label X, but you don't know whether they're just being distributed or not being distributed, whether there's an advance coming out of it, not coming out of it. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's a really cool way for, you know, right now we're in, a, we're in this like Wild West of, uh, of rap where, you know, sort of anything can kind of go and mm-hmm. a record can hit radio without necessarily needing a lot of money up front. Fact. And so yeah. like... You know, that's another cool way without having to get signed to get that lump sum right up front that some artists need just because of their financial situation. Mm-hmm. So I find that pretty interesting. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that probably definitely goes under the radar. Also, labels using other labels to pretend they haven't signed an artist. <laughs> wow. That was what the Benson situation was last year. Um, and that is happening again very soon with a release that is coming out through another label that I will not name necessarily. <laughs> uh-huh. it's a secret. TBD, TBD, TBD. Okay. You will know it. My turn. Um, I think what really opened my, uh, what I was really opened up to this year was just how broke rappers are before they're not broke. Oh, facts. Like, mm-hmm. um, just through doing different interviews and just speaking with different people, like, it always shocks me how recently an artist was like sleeping in their car before they're doing like their first label listening session. Mm. Like I just interviewed an artist that just recently blew up and put out an album like I think in October. Mm-hmm. And he's like the shit now. Like he's, yeah. you know, I don't want to say his name, but uh, he told me some things off the record just, you know, in passing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and you know, he was basically like, "Yo, when I signed my deal, I went back and took a nap in my car." Like he couldn't afford a hotel room. Wow. You know, he has a daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, his baby mother is back home and struggling. The, the word he used was ugly. He was like, it's ugly back home. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, do you just signed to a major label. Like, what are you talking about? You know, so that that always freaks me out. And I guess that speaks a little bit to Darmy's point. It's just like, it's so crazy the things that go on behind the scenes, like behind the behind the scenes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. there's so many levels to it. And just hearing that from him, like, 
that shit fucked me. <laughs> that shit fucked <laughs> me. Like, I was like, yo, how is this possible? Like, you're about to do a sold-out show, and you don't have a hotel room. Like, this yeah. doesn't make sense. The mm-hmm. other thing that you don't realize right away, especially when you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective, is mm-hmm. that ultimately money is money, and there has to be a way for money to go from point A to point B, and how, like, a $1.5 million deal gets actually given to an artist. They don't just, like, you don't just go to the damn label and, like, have a meeting and take a picture and sign a check and have the money. That, that it has to actually get to you somehow Fact. and it has to get accounted for in taxes and expenses and yeah. all these other things so you know and that's something you kind of knew but like especially when I'm entering adulthood now mm-hmm. where I have a job and everything you mm-hmm. start to really understand mm-hmm. just what that means to have money but not have money yeah. like to know that you have a salary coming in next week but know that for this next week you really only have $50 and Bruh. just because you have a that's job real. and money doesn't mean you actually have any money so, you know, watching that sort of play out in your, your own life makes you realize that's kind of how it happens in the music world, too. Yeah, the best thing the best thing the industry does, especially for you as a new artist, it puts you in a position to make a lot of money. Okay, yeah. that's it fair. Does not, it does not automatically translate to dollar signs in your account. Like, I was shocked. Like, a few years ago, I was having an argument with a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, we were just kind of arguing about who's who, who just has more money on the surface. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, and I was arguing for Kanye, and I forgot who he was arguing for. It might have been might have been 50 Cent. Um, and I knew 50 had more money than Ye, right? <laughs> yeah. The answer is 50. Right. But I had no idea how the disparity, like, I didn't know it was that big of a gap. Mm-hmm. Like, Kanye is obviously hugely famous and mostly mm-hmm. talented. It's got all these different people and assets that he has around him and he's probably worth a shit ton of money yeah like how much money he actually has in his account it's probably not i was no. shocked at how low it was i mean like so then it, at the time this was years ago at the time it hadn't even cracked like the 80 90 million mark oh. really and, and now he's now he's worth about 160 i think but okay okay this was like 2011 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He, he didn't he didn't have access to more than like maybe 70 80 million and I That's was shocked. Crazy. I'm like, yo, this is the most successful artist of the 2000s, probably. Mm-hmm. And he, when he's not worth more than 50, who hasn't put out a good album in 10 years. You know what I mean? So it's like, that, 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 that's when it really clicked for me. I was like, yo, this is like, this is different. Like, it's still a hustle at every level. Like, it's not just these young guys. Like, everybody, you know, like this Adidas venture is not actually going to start turning dollars for EA probably for the next, like, three years. Three, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because of how much money it took to put in. To put it up. Yeah. That's right. I mean... That just goes to the legend, to the legend of Fifty Cent, though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That Especially means, this year exactly. with all the craziness. Yeah. Whether he was bankrupt, what does mm-hmm. bankruptcy mean? What does it mean that he is filing for bankruptcy in this, this specific case? And that was a that was a mess. I think he dragged it out a little too long. I, I think I don't think he intended for it to have spiraled as out of control as it did. Mm-hmm. But but uh, he definitely knew what he was doing when he decided to do it. Yeah. I think it got out of his hands a little quicker. Ultimately, he's not broke. Oh, he's, he's definitely not, not, he's not bro. bankrupt. Not none of that is none of that is actually true. But I don't think they. I don't think he intended for it to have turned out into the PR disaster that it kind of turned out to. <laughs> yeah. right. So then let me ask you both about financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of artists are in the position, like you said, to make money, but they never actually see the money that they're actually producing. So then, why is it that so many hip hop artists are financially illiterate? We have Kendrick, who seems to have mm-hmm. a good grasp on his own. Mm-hmm financial future but so many artists come into money but never actually see the money that they make so why is it that so many artists are financially illiterate i think i think it's really about the people you have around you you know mm-hmm. i'm glad you mentioned kendrick because kendrick has like the ill infrastructure like t- 
top dog and punch are vets. Like, you know, people are just learning their names now, but I mean, these are guys that studied like Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah. They know the game, they've read it, they've lived it, they've studied it. You know, um, these are the guys that broke it, J Rock still long before Kendrick was mm-hmm, even a thing. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? And that was one of the smartest things J Rock ever did with his life because he wasn't going to sell out a record, but he made money with Tech Nine. Everyone knows Tech Nine made money. Um, so I, it's really just about the people you have around you um, and the people you listen to. Like, take Young Thug, for instance, like he screwed himself so early. Like, Young Thug could easily be hitting Forbes list mm-hmm. already just because of what he's done in the last two years. Yeah. But because of that deal that he signed, he signed such a shitty deal. Like, he pretty much signed over his entire uh, catalog for, like, I think $20,000 two years ago. Really? Oh, my To a subsidiary of Atlantic, like APG. a super unknown APG, which is, like, a closet operation that Atlantic has just so they can do things like this to guys wow. like that. You know, I'm not necessarily... You know, suggesting that it was a malicious move on their part. They do what they have to do. That's how you secure business for, business for years to come. And but it's a leverage thing too, absolutely. right? For example, they signed him very early on. They signed mm-hmm. him before 2013. Right. So he was already locked in. Um, you know, before he had any leverage. If he had turned down the deal, which he had every right to do and was allowed to do, he could say no. He could walk away from the ten thousand dollar or what it was twenty thousand dollar advance, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He could have turned turned that down, but he needed the money, so he took it. You know, the example of the other side is Post Malone, who, you know, probably had an offer from 300 before White Iverson came out, considering mm-hmm. who his camp is and everything, and he never took that deal. He never took uh, what, what must have been 100000 or maybe a little yeah. less to sign it, uh, you know, uh, 300 mm-hmm. Instead, he ended up uh, waiting for everything to pop off. He had a mm-hmm. lot of buzz, had a bidding mm-hmm. war. You've got a deal in the millions, I think, with uh, Republic. Two, two million. Two million, right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it's just about... You know, deciding when to do it, etc. Yeah, yeah. I, it's really, it's it's both a waiting game and it's also just being informed. You know, no one really expects. That's why you have managers and all these people. You know, a lot of people think a lot of managers are just, you know, friends. But like these are people. Like the things these managers whisper in their friends' ears is often what makes or breaks their careers. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's very, very true. And financial literacy is just something that not everybody is is aware of, even outside of the music industry. In general, yeah. Yeah, and especially certain communities, there there isn't a lot of that thought mm-hmm. process behind it. And, and there isn't enough education and awareness about it. Mm. And so, you know, I think whatever you see in the music industry corresponds to real life in a lot more ways than people realize and that's definitely Absolutely. one of them financial literacy of planning for your future planning ahead of time and you know making sure you and your priorities are safe and that you're spending within your means you know that's not necessarily something that's a given across the board yeah. we're definitely going to dive more into indie artists because we have i have a lot of questions that people will be asking uh, yeah. or have been asking for all 2015 but um, now that we had a whole year basically to process uh, some of the music that's come out, mm-hmm. what would you say was the most underrated and the most overrated project put out this year? I'm gonna let you take me on that. <laughs> most <laughs> underrated project. I mean, so I guess it's kind of hard to figure out what people are rating, what people aren't rating. Mm-hmm. I would say one project that not a lot of people were talking about, but I really loved. It's one of my favorite projects this year. Is Cruel Intentions, the EP that Tory Lanez did. Mm-hmm. When he did it. Um, I just saw him live yesterday, which is why I'm. Uh, we saw. I saw. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, crowd walked Santos Party House last night. Like crowd walked from the stage to the back bar. Wow. Without touching his feet, hitting the ground, stood on the back bar, performed a song, and then crowd walked back. <laughs> wow. he, his feet never touched the ground. 
Wow. Like that that guy is 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 uh is quite talented. He can yeah. sing too, which is uh, and sing really well live. Which really? Is crazy. Okay. He did say it a cappella. Which is, wow. which is crazy. So um, that project is really dope. It reminded me of the project last year that Jeremiah did with Shlomo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I love that project. You know, Jeremiah is a freak of nature and, you know, Shlomo's yeah. an incredible producer. Um, so, you know, it's the same sort of cast of characters, R.L. Grime, Bauer, Shlomo, etc. Mm-hmm. Great producers who are in the electronic space but know yeah. how to make urban music because of which sort is super of being dope. talented. And Tory Lanez is a great songwriter. And he, he didn't rap on that project, actually. It was all sung and, mm. you know, really good. So I, that's, I'd say, the most underrated project. The most overrated project is probably something I didn't listen to. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. That's definitely wonk fair wonk. enough. Okay. <laughs> um, what would I say is the most underrated? Damn. I would say um, I have two. Okay. Uh, ASAP Rocky, I think, and mm. the Odyssey album, I think, did not get the 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 accolades it deserved. I mean, I know I saw a lot of people talking about it, but that album is really good. Okay, like even just a handful of times I listen to it, every time I listen to it, I hear something new, and he's such an incredible lyricist. Like he's meticulous with his like everything he does, from his flow to his cadence, even like his inflection of his voice. Like it's all just so refined. Like that album is fantastic. But with Rocky, I think. I think he veered so far off of the path he was headed that people didn't really digest it the way they should have. Mm-hmm. I can I can definitely agree to that because I didn't digest it the way. Right, but I think it was a darn good album. Like he really raps very well on mm-hmm. that album from front to back. Like, and it's over instrumentals that you wouldn't really expect to hear. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially not directly following uh, Long Live A$AP, mm-hmm. um, which was a whole two years ago. So it makes sense that it took him so long because tell he was you know pretty much finding a new sound and just weaving you know kind of bobbing weaving through all these different styles and you know um but i'm I trying think, to understand i'm still trying to understand why like i like i i liked the content i just couldn't i just couldn't i didn't i couldn't find the inspiration to just play it right right consistently i yeah. played it a couple times I was like all right well i could yeah it's funny it's, for a couple weeks for yeah it's funny it's funny i don't it's not even on my phone anymore, honestly. So right, okay. I, I feel you on that, I but I still think I still think it was underrated. Okay, I mean, like okay. I feel like it should have, it, it should have been louder a little more than it was, just mm-hmm. because you know it's it's really just very well done from front to back. Like it, it's not, you know, where you have these big rocky anthems that we're used to, you know, from uh, like from Long Live ASAP or yeah. even the project before, or like there's no bath salts on there, you know, there's no hella hoes. It's just you know a lot of. It's like 15 or 16 just darn good Rocky songs. You know what I mean? Darn good rap songs, I should say, not yeah. just Rocky songs. Um, as far as overrated, it kills me to say this, but I got to say Travis Scott's uh, album. Oh, wow. It kills me to Does say it that. really kill you to say it? I love that album, bro. But it's I skipped overrated. on it too, though, to be honest. Yeah. I love that album. I really do. I was just doing it here, actually. <laughs> I listened to it quite a bit, actually, since yeah. it came out. I, I love that album. Overrated. But, yeah, I love that album, but when I see people talking about it, saying he's punk, like, Travis Rock is not. Travis Rock. <laughs> Travis Scott is not punk. He's not, he's so not punk. Like Because he's something no one in hip-hop has seen for a long time. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen anything like a Travis Scott so probably since, like, the last time I saw Method Man on tour. You know okay. I mean? Like, I haven't seen that energy in a long time. 
So people, you know, they're not used to that. They're used to Jay-Z standing in one place or Kanye laying on the ground or Kendrick Lamar, you know, just <laughs> kind of, you know, walking back front to back. Like, Travis Scott shows are just very different. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when things in hip-hop are different, they suddenly just reach for some other title. But Travis Scott is not punk. Um, and what he did with this album wasn't necessarily the revolution he purported he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, okay. But it's still very listenable. I like it a lot. Like, Piss on Your Grave, for example, is mm. a really bad song that yeah. I like a lot. Yep. Mm. And that's always been my struggle with Travis Scott. He does bad things that are so listenable. It's like, fuck, I have to separate myself. I'm like, shit, I want to party to this. <laughs> but it's not good. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, bad. yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I can tell that the second to last song on the album is so bad. Like, mm. at one point, he was just like, no, 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 no. I... But I, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always hard. There, there was a nice stretch there though, which Piss in Your Grave is in the middle of between like Night the Crawler, weekend song, Antidote, and then, Pray for Love. Yeah, yeah that there's right a lot there. of like pretty good. amazing songs in a row, really well strung together. If that was just an album, right, be fire. It started all slow and it ended. I like Apple Pie though. I like the last song. I like I, Apple Pie up until Ti starts going. Okay, Ross, Ross. No, 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 no. The, no, dil- no. the diligent militant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, my Ti on that album is the most random. But thing. it's funny, like, yeah, I, I feel like that was done purposely to make fun of Ti because it's, it's like a, to me it was like a self awareness thing. Like Ti knows everyone makes fun of him for over speaking, so he just overspoke for the for a whole album. Yeah, that's just interesting. Wow. Okay, so. I will say one thing I found overrated was the weekly freestyle series that happened in this year with Fabulous and Jadakiss. <laughs> oh, and everyone it was, loved that so much. Are it you was kidding me? That's too blasphemy. much. No, and I know blasphemy. a lot of people think it's bad, which is why I think it's overrated. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to hear these guys rap over, like, the same things they were doing five years ago when they were actually hungry yeah. and really wanted to rap. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear them do that when they don't care and they're really trying to make the radio acre to, to resurface as like mm-hmm. you know the as prominent players in the game Makes I think sense. with the exception of the Jadakiss freestyle over Young Black and Gifted mm. which was a good beat for Jadakiss mm. everything else I didn't want to hear because they were picking bad beats or they were trying to recreate something that Biggie that did five better, times yeah. better mm. and no. just no man like nah like y'all, y'all are better they're better than that you know ultimately they're better than that and I think that it's disappointing so that, I would say that was overrated that makes sense. What? Um, how important is it? You guys, you guys just both talked about shows. How important is it for people, true fans, to actually go to an artist's show and see them live versus just listening to, listening to the project? I think it's. I think that's the whole game right there. Honestly, like Travis is a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's, about, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah like uh, if I'd never seen Travis live, I'd be like, oh, this isn't really anything special. You know mm. what I mean? But when you see how these songs translate, like what they mean to people, you know, 20, 30,000 people screaming, singing the same lyric, you know, anticipating the same beat drop. Yeah. Waiting for Travis to do this one antic. It's like, how do you... I got to pause because Chris, Chris Copacetic. Chris, Chris Copacetic. Copacetic is in the house. White, black, Asian, fat. I got all Nigga, what? Chris Copacetic is in the building, clearly. Walking in walking. like... What's going on? Finally get to me. Like the legend, Chris Copacetic. Do you need to change that? <laughs> had to have. Had to have met. I don't know. That's this the man thing. Is, this man is like uh, not, worldwide. Like, that's the homie. That's just the worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. podcast. <laughs> Why West of Hip Hop? I learned the game from Copacetic. You can know. The legend, the legend, oh, man, the honestly, legend. Man, this guy right here, man. You want to, you want to share legend? The legend. Stop. Stop. Here's what we right. gonna do. We can go to a quick break. We can let the, we can let the legend get settled, and uh, we'll be back. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the Encore Radio Show. Good morning. Morning. Coming up on a future episode of the Encore Radio Show. He said, if opportunity knocks, why not just check the peephole? It's 50 50 with my people. Son of Perico, brah. Blind Rogers, brah. Or trusting dollars. If all we got a comment is common, nigga, so holla. The darn thing. When the relief is seen, her belly catch a V to Hetty. Put it in her mouth, <laughs> like Akinelli. Counting Benji for Ox. I mean, Lynn Knox, before you could got. Cause on the rail, pack a more stale than Josh Stock at 10. Make a profit's what the profit's all proud of profit in. Street pharmacist, never leaving what I started with. Amateurs, what they started, kid. Stark and flow. And sure they can tell you anything. The pussy is tossed. I chill and post. Post up, way more the statuses. And the galactic with practice, practice become effortless. Better than having. Half of them dudes don't want the issues more than news. Stands a hundred grand. I pass it to my mans, but fuck it, I just take it over. Matter of fact, it ain't over till I say it's over. Yeah, I just keep going. They call me B. Rods call me from the BX. Matter of fact, riding in the BX. <laughs> I was hopping in the BM before the BM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopping in and out. Matter of fact, I just tell you what I'm about. He said, uh, I just feel like keep going. This is the opportunity, nigga. Wait, wait for the moment. Interviews after interview. Show off the show. I'm at Meridian 23 next week. <laughs> On a Monday, neat. <laughs> Woo! All right. And we're back with Encore Radio Show. <laughs> what? I said it, we're back. <laughs> Yes, folks, we're back. Um, clearly, we're having a very interesting show here. We're having the most exciting morning right now. We have Copacetic in the building. Why? King Cole. Anyway, so uh, we still have, obviously, uh, Carrie and Dharmic X in the building. Shout out to our social media, of course. Let people know where, where they can find you. You can find me at Dharmic X, D-H-A-R-M-I-C-X, on Twitter. This guy right here. Oh me? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm trying to get down to my real name. Like I keep having, a, I'm my. You getting close? Getting good. Very close. Good. I'm I'm K H A R I nine two on Twitter. Carry ninety two. Um, I just need, I need someone to get rid of that carry tag, man. It's just killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, just spam them. So just spam them. Spam them every day. Were you really? Angry, Angry black, black man with a legendary day, bro. But we can't. That's dope. We, we can't speak of those days. Man. <laughs> that was a rough time. That was before. That was before I knew. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. All right. So let's 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 talk about industry plans for a second. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, we had the sound killers in here a couple weeks ago, and we were talking to them about industry plans and if they do or don't have a place in the industry. Does it make sense? Is it fair to artists who've really been grinding? So what do you guys think? Michael Jackson industry plan. Mm. industry plan this is how the music industry works just like any other industry like you know there's artist development that happens behind the scenes for all the greats it, it has happened it will continue to happen and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it wow that was did you know that question was coming nope but I knew my answer to that question <laughs> yeah. the minute it happened I was like because I was like really well <laughs> I don't even know if I have to add. yeah I mean like everyone's biggest shtick with industry plants now I guess is Rory Rory is like yeah, everyone's yeah. favorite industry plant to, and but I that love is a failing. I definitely want to ask you about about him though because he gets a lot of flack for sounding too much like Andre trying to be a copy clone he of Andre. So much like Andre. And is that to his detriment? Do you do you think? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, you know, it's it might be a compliment. I don't know that he does it deliberately to the point where it's like I'm gonna say this word so it sounds like Andre 3000 would say it. I watched his XXL freestyle and I just thought he was himself. Like I mean, yeah, he seemed really comfortable. And I thought it was darn good, you know what I mean? So I loved him in Afropunk. He was so good. I missed that. You that what? 
I didn't shout out. I He's on the red stage. He was everything. I got, I got love for XXL. All my homies over there. Shout out Manny and Roger. Those my OG. Shout out Manny. Manny, that's my guy. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and I love how he played with it on the cover, actually wearing that shirt, you know. But I know the guys that reared him, really. Um, yep. Um, the OMO boys, shout them out. Those are good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do isn't, like, shady or anything. What they do is what most people should do with artists now to avoid some of the pitfalls we talked about earlier. Like, you find these guys... And you just teach them the game, and you give mm-hmm. them opportunities that they wouldn't they wouldn't ordinarily have, but not because they're not talented, just because they don't have the platform. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it, really. Would you rather have somebody who spent three years out in the street selling mixtapes to get a buzz, or would you rather have somebody who spent three years in a studio working on songwriting and making great records? Right. What would you rather have? To me, both as a listener. Yeah, I was gonna say to be to to be fair, both. I mean, I just listened to Big Crit um, on Rap Radar podcast, and he was like, I mean, first of all, I didn't know he was twenty nine. First thing, second thing is he was like, yo, he was out here, he was out in Atlanta for a long time, just selling CDs and doing shit. Like he went part part of the game, especially when you're an outsider trying to enter in, is like working really hard to get in, right? Yeah, get your your money or get to your financial goals. That grinding is definitely a, a big part of it. It's part of raps blue collar underdog tradition Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you're grinding you also need to have your talent like it's also a talent based thing it's not just the person who does the most work should win it's it's a very music is subjective music is based on on intangibles and so if you like a certain type of music or i mean if your music is good it'll speak whether you necessarily put in the same work as somebody who tried really hard and can't write songs as well Mm -hmm. that just is what it is it's unfair maybe but that's what life is at times too yeah (laughs) i remember i remember seeing a tweet not too long ago i can't remember who tweeted it but it was it was kind of like he said um if you if you can't get your music to the mainstream you suck and i thought that was i mean it's it's so hyperbolic but i thought it was it's funny and i I like the tweet like I, i thought it was a good tweet just because like you obviously don't suck if you choose to remain an underground artist. That's, that's where the <laughs> hyperbole is. But, I mean, for, for I think what he was really trying to say is that people that complain about not getting their music heard, like, that's not anyone's fault but your own. Like, there are so many different outlets. And the, if you choose to not do something because you think it's like, you know, I don't want to be a plant like that. You know, if Rory did that, no one would have heard his album. That's True. He, here's a thought. Uh, you know, everybody knows Tech Nine. Everybody knows Tech Nine yes. as this independent DIY um, example, right? Now, Tech Nine co-founded Strange Music. The co-founder of Strange Music is a man named Travis O'Glynn. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who Travis O'Glynn is or what he does. Travis O'Glynn is uh, fur- was a furniture mogul, not mogul, but furniture uh, businessman in the 90s. He was a fan of Tech Nine's music. And he approached Tech Nine when he was signed and going in and out between deals and not the music thing wasn't panning out. He goes, I'm a big fan of your work. What can I do to help you make it in this game and make you succeed as an artist? And Tech Nine explained the situation that he didn't have anybody backing him to, you know, to, uh, su- like take his music to the next level. This guy put money behind Strange Music. Strange Music was founded on a $1.5 million investment by a furniture businessman. Maybe not somebody in the music industry, but definitely somebody with money who was able to support the guy. Is that not like a, I mean, okay, the 1.5 million could come from a label or it could come from that guy, you know? Like, I I think uh, that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is at this point, she asked me, um, 
who's who's my favorite up and coming indie artists. Yeah. There are a lot of artists I like who are on the come up who I know aren't indie. Mm. Like that's just the reality of it. There is a lot of people who are making great music right now, and people think they're indie, but they're not indie. And you know, I can't. Neither of us. And one of the things you noticed early on when we started talking about different things we learned about the industry is we're not going to name names because both of us kind of can't name names. But that's just the nature of the beast. But yeah, there's a lot of people I can name at least four or five people I know right now who are signed and they're not announcing it, and you know, they might not announce it for a while. And no one will that happens all, no one the will time, no, all the time. Vic Mensa, I knew about in twenty in the summer of twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've that, known that for over a, given, a year. Logic, I knew for a year before the signing. Um, the the list can can go on, and and some DIY success stories who remain independent are independent by necessity, independent because the labels weren't offering them what they were looking for early and <laughs> early along, and so they've decided to take on the DIY mantle and mm-hmm. push that way. But do you think we're in a place now, well, not even think, I mean, it's, I feel like it's pretty obvious that we definitely are in a place now where you can be, you can be DIY, do it yourself, people who've been wondering, like, what the hell is DIY? There are people who can, you know, you can be uh, a, a DIY artist and it not be an issue at all. You can still get your music played, you can still sell out shows, you can actually still travel if you have the funds to do so. You can, you know, it's that, it's, it's, it is a DIY market at this point. And I think I'm happy for it. I think it's really pushing music in the right direction where it's like there are a lot of options for people to listen to if they choose to. For anyone who says hip-hop is dead, I'd be wanting to slap them. People still be say, trying to say that sort of yeah. mess. I think Chance is definitely... I yeah. I mean, it, it, just, it really gives, just gives you a, a, an opportunity to dictate, you know, what you do, when, and, and why. You know, and that's something very few artists have the liberty of doing. You know, people... Love Macklemore for being quote unquote independent, but Macklemore isn't the master of his own domain at all. Right. You know, he is very much a part of it, mm-hmm. but he does not make every single call. You know, and Chance is probably the closest we'll see for a long time for yeah. someone to reach that level and be able to still be the one, you know, pushing almost every button, making every decision, and really just making what he wants to. I mean, this guy just did Colbert. I mean, he had Colbert wearing a, a halo. <laughs> you know, there were people that have been signed for 10 years. Like, can't reach that plateau. It's really about just just what works for you. you know? Who's making Macklemore's decisions? Oh, well, who was? Or who is now? I mean, Macklemore was making his own decisions for a very long time in his career. He was. He up was. until at least 2013, 2014. Up until the thing sort of hit radio. That's that's when things changed. Yeah, that's when, okay. But, I mean, I would say he was independent. Even. Oh, yeah, no, he was. No, he, he was a very successful was. independent artist in oh, that, absolutely. too. I mean, the only reason why they took this to radio is because it hit, I think it would either top the charts or it came close He's to so, topping the charts as an independent ADA release. I don't, I don't know. You talking about the album or the singles? The album. The album didn't top. The, the album caught fire after. I thought the album topped the rap charts, though, at least. When it, when indie, it, when it first released? Yeah, when it first came out. That might be true. Yeah, and that was an independent. That was ADA. Right. So it, he definitely, you know, him and Zach Cohen basically were the ones who, you know, controlled that operation until they decided they'd try radio because mm-hmm. he was white and made accessible and records. And sold 13 Amen. million singles. <laughs> yep. And, he, and the That's rest is, the rest is history, for sure. Radio. Yeah, now he's not necessarily an, an independent, although I've heard, you know, that the contract is yeah no like I said he pushes a lot of buttons just not all of them you know what I mean um, sure. and, and, and Chance is, is another is another example of somebody who's definitely independent but has a great infrastructure yeah. an infrastructure that uh, not all independent artists are blessed with um, they have 
this merchandising game is extremely on point. Mm-hmm. Um, Merch is big. People got to realize that. Part, especially if you're touring as much as he is. That's a rap hoodie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all, a lot of the, the merch game. And, I, you know, for example, he just did the these two shows at uh, Terminal 5. They actually sold out their merchandise prior to hitting the New York dates or sold out enough where they were going to run short. So they had one of the guys from the team drive up from Chicago to New York using Pat, his manager's Escalade, mm-hmm. with the merch, wow. with the rest of the merch. Pat has an Escalade, Pat has an Escalade which is crazy. Yeah. That's how much money they're making DIY. Pat, Pat has an Escalade. Um, and they drove uh, the car to New York City overnight to, to bring the merch. the merch, which is a testament to like the hard work that's required on a DIY level. Like Nobody's going to do it for you. The label's not going to fly you out with your merch. You know you got to do it yourself. But at the same time, they have that type of team where somebody can go do it and not have necessarily been on the road with them. Yeah. So I want to ask, we've all... I didn't take past that. <laughs> so we've all been talking about um, upcoming male artists. Um, and as far as women in hip-hop, who do you all think are up-and-comers? Women. Women? Yeah. That you... Just rappers or in general? Rapper, yeah. Let's let's do let's do rappers. Let's do rappers for now. We'll kind of segue into the other subsets. Why? Why? Because it's like there's very few of them that are really really good, and then there's a lot. But why is that though? Why do you think that is? There are very few that are really good when there are so many. When when men are so ubiquitous in this game. Um. That's that is like a systematic and unfortunately like institutionalized problem mm-hmm. you know, like just I, I hate to shrug my shoulders at it but that's that's just the way the fucking walls crumble you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you know men have dominated this game for a very long time it's literally probably the only genre I can say I may be speaking tongue in cheek but I think hip hop is the only genre where it is so devastatingly dominated by men. No, I don't, I don't think mean, you're wrong for saying that. I don't, no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean devastatingly in a bad way. I just mean that's how crazy the scales are tipped. It's like 95% male, yeah. 5% women, yeah, and yeah. 5% pop, is kind of generous. Right, pop. Well, rock, when rock was hot, rock was dominated by men. Yeah, definitely. But, mm-hmm. um, Over you know, time. Right. Um, I mean, the rock icons, anybody you consider yeah. a rock icon is it's a man. man exactly. There's not women yeah. rock icons. And that's also, and, and I think that also has to do with the fact that rock and hip-hop are probably the uh, genres that have most been scrutinized for misogyny, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, rock was a lot about male domination of women and rappers about that, too. So it's 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 not easy, you know, um, for a woman... You know, you got to go all the way back to, like, Roxanne Shantae and when she came up in the 80s. Like, you know, she had to jostle so... She had to anger so many men just to get, you know, just to get her single heard. You know what I mean? I was actually glad... I, were you a part of that list that you guys did yesterday? Uh, uh, the 100 best uh, rap songs in New York City? Um, no, I haven't been a part. Oh, well, well, you know, I, I know you weren't a part, but I thought I thought you might have written some of it. No, I thought yeah, it was really dope that uh, that song was included uh, on uh, Roxanne Shantae's single. But... You know, and, and going through, you know, the years and decades in hip-hop, it's just, you know, there's always one. There's always one woman in every era that just shoots to the top. But as far as, you know, making it a culture of making sure that women get the same opportunities and get heard the same, you know, that that's that's not just an individual effort. Like, that's going to have to take a, a, a wholesome, like, top-down effort to make sure, like, okay, look, you know, she... She's not just gonna be a Nicki Minaj, or she's not just gonna be a Lil Kim. Like she, 
you have Rhapsody. Rhapsody raps better than 90% of the rappers I know. Like, and, okay. and, and, you know, she's not getting the looks that Nicki will get or Iggy will get just because of, you know, she's she's not rapping about, you know, going to parties and, and having a bunch of boyfriends. Like, she's killing these niggas. So like, the, literally. Yeah. Like, she, she bodied Absol in his own song. That's very hard to do. <laughs> but on the same token, it is not easy... Nicki Minaj is a once-in-a-generation sort of talent. And mm-hmm. I think that gets sort of swept under the rug because of how big she is now mm-hmm. and how ubiquitous and how pop she became. But Nicki Minaj is not just a rapper. She's a, an entertainer, right. a singer, mm-hmm. um, and she was a talent. She was a talent from the moment she started really pushing her mixtapes on the streets in Queens. I like, mean, from LaGuardia, people yeah, kind of knew. Yeah, you know? she, she went to an acting school. Right. You know, she's, she's freakishly talented. The and... Yeah, and and so she she is uh, the reason why she is successful beyond there being obviously a strong marketing push is because she was an out of this world talent, and you don't there aren't that many people who are that talented in the in the rap game especially. Um, so that that is just what it is, you know. Maybe I mean Rhapsody is a dope rapper, but I don't I think it would be disingenuous to say she is more talented than Nicki Minaj. Oh no, not at all. Exactly. Not at all. Not at all. And, and and so, you know, I don't and I don't think they're they're not competing and that's the worst thing you can do is right. like try to put Rhapsody against Nicki Minaj. Like that's not what they're trying to do. They're in their own lanes doing their own thing and doing well, you know, Rhapsody with the Indy five hundred movement and um, JAMA and all that and, and Nicki doing what she's doing. Um, and I think they're doing their own thing. But yeah, Ra- Nicki Minaj is an out of this world talent. And I, I, you I mean, know, she's you, the biggest. I think she's the biggest female rapper ever. I don't think I'd be. She, she feel like she surpassed Lil Kim in terms of legacy. Success. In terms I of success and popularity, yeah. more than likely, mm-hmm. album wise, I think you know that's subjective. That's up for debate. Content wise, yeah. Um, huh? You mean content wise, like if, it, if it's better? Well, how many right, 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 right. How many right. Lil Kim albums? People, Pink Friday is my shit, though. I remember two off the top. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm, I'm also a little. The scales are tipped, you know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, La Bella Mafia and the uh, hardcore. The, uh, har- oh, so maybe it's three. Maybe three. Mafia, wow. hardcore, and, and and the Naked Truth to me were all really good little albums. But that's up for debate. But I think I think Nicki is the biggest ever. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, likely. with the exception of maybe Latifah, because of just what Latifah became. Influence, right, but I think I, 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 th- I, think, I think Latifah got bigger because of other reasons, other reasons and much later. I think at the height of her rap, at, at the height of their respective rap careers, Nicki Minaj is probably the biggest. I don't even think she's peaked yet, which is scary. I agree. And I the agree. the mystery mystique that's Lauren Hill. Do you <laughs> where, do, where do you put that? I mean, at her. At her peak, she was probably the best. As far as biggest, I think it's still Nikki. Nikki? I mean, Nikki. Just, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they have Nikki costumes on in, in, in third world countries right now. You know what I mean? That's I mean, that's that's kind of ridiculous, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say Nikki. I mean, she's incredible, honestly. Yeah. She's incredible. She definitely is. The Pink Friday is my shit. So then, in your professional opinion, what do you think has to change so that way we can kind of pave the way for more... Not for more, not, I don't want to say, like you said before, not to compare female artists, but to allow the lane for more women artists to rise to that level of superstar. Um, I don't think it's anything in hip-hop specifically. I actually think it's just society in general. The mindset has to change, the then. The mindset has to change. A system, it's institutional. Like, this has literally been the way things have been for centuries. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's no one label head. There's no one, you know, executive that's going to flip a switch and be like, all right, let's let all these women in the door. 
You know what I mean? Like society itself has, you know, I mean, everything mirrors society. Mm -hmm. Like these offices, these labels, these, you know, management groups, they, they all mirror what's really going on outside of this genre. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, as we continue on with this, you know, whichever way this country is going, God, God save us if, <laughs> if this next election doesn't go right. But, <laughs> Not you, know, as we, sir. you know, as we progress into the future and, and, and you know, people really start pointing out and speaking out about things that have been tradition for a long time but don't really make sense, I think that's when things are really going to start shifting a little bit. All right. So a lot of that sounds like, it's, I mean, in the... In the most vaguest respect of the word, it sounds like collusion, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm I'm gonna flip it back to the indie artist conversation. Is it collusion between these music execs and you know mainstream radio where they're like, you know what, like we like this song, we like this talent, but until they come to us as indie execs, until they sign that deal, until they sign whether it's distribution or an actual deal with the label itself. We don't want to hear them on the radio. Do you find do you do you see that as something that quietly has happened? Well, major labels control radio. That is still very much a fact in 2015. Um, payola still exists on a on an indirect level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the label themselves who pays the uh, radio stations. Um, as usually when, when somebody throws out this conversation, especially in New York, we get into the individualized Hot 97 PD getting money from insert label here, and that's not happening. Yeah. And I would never imply that that is happening because it's not. But what is happening is these radio stations are owned by... Multiple radio stations are owned by one entity. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there is... well. In, in certain markets, there's definitely the individual DJ level. There's the guy giving the money to the individual DJ who does all these different club nights, and he'll go and play what this person has paid him to play. And yeah. that's happening not necessarily in New York, but happening in other markets. Yeah. But then there is amount of like radio budgets that you know are going to middlemen um, in these labels. They're going to middlemen who are not employed, don't have a uh, email from the label, but work for the label to sort of make those sort of moves happen. It yeah. exists. I don't know to what extent. I've never worked at a major label, so I can't entirely comment on it, but this, that's still very much a fact. And and beyond that, I mean, if you look at just how business works, in order for you to uh, make money, you have to spend money. Mm-hmm. And in order to you know, get word out there that your single is moving, you need to spend money to promote your single. So from that perspective, you do need to spend money to get radio play. Just, you know, that's sort of like an indirect correlation right there. And, you know, who can spend more money? The guy with a $100 million budget from some company or you with your man's money? So that's just kind of the way, of, that's the way business works. I don't know if this is directly answering your question but you know just to speak in the Dharmic's point I thought it was really interesting Um, you know that model is like the same everywhere no matter what no matter what it is conceptually like for example Atlanta like you won't have a furniture businessman necessarily putting up 1.5 million for a great artist in Atlanta but what you will have is like 10 or 12 drug dealers putting their money together 
and getting it to the DJ at Magic City on Monday night Fox. to make sure to make sure specific. No names were names. He said no names. Magic City Monday night. Like, no, like specifically. No, like I literally. No names were names on Monday night. Like, like I specifically. Don't say like, that. Like there's an artist, and I love I, I love their song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying the song is bad, but. It got popular literally because you know there is a, there is a group of drug dealers in Atlanta that bring thousands and thousands of dollars to Magic City on certain nights when DJ Esco is spinning, mm-hmm. and Esco will the strippers need money, right? Facts. So yep. the more money that gets thrown to the strippers, the more you get to dictate what music gets played. That's just how it is. It's mm-hmm. this, it's the same model as what Donald was speaking to. But it's indirect. It's not like, okay, you give me this money and I'll play this record, right? You gotta make the strippers happy. That's why. And honestly, all these records that are coming out of Atlanta, that's the that's the formula that they're going through. Which makes super sense. Yeah, that's what it is. People in Atlanta cooking right now. That's that's you know. So it's it's really that model almost everywhere. Whether it takes a different form, whether it's a businessman, whether it's you know the strip club, that's just how it is. Like you said, you gotta spend money to make money. You know, and that's. <laughs> but, but but keep in mind that a lot of the records that get played at like Magic City on a Monday or get played at like clubs um, aren't radio records necessarily. Nope. Like, mm-hmm. how many records does Travis Scott have that have charted mm-hmm. on radio or charted on Billboard? Not that many. Nope. Um, how many. many records does Meek Mill have that have charted on radio? <laughs> Not that many. And I don't use Meek Mill in the. Uh, Man, this damn beef. But anyway, Meek Mill is popping records. Meek Mill has six or seven records that when they go on in a party, everybody jumps, goes crazy. Oh, Meek Mill was the only artist that had powerhouse jumping yeah. at the Barclays Center. The only one. And, really? and the that's because he has hits. But those, none of those hits have actually charted right. or yeah. never charted that high. And so urban music sometimes gets gets lost in the charts. Um, so... You know, at the same time, there's that aspect as well. Speech, just speaks directly to the people. Mm-hmm. Like, directly to the people. It's like, they don't have to go through radio. Like, there's so many artists that are really, really great and have great music, and it just speaks to the people. People will know this song, you can play this here, and everybody will start jumping, and it hasn't been on the radio in New York City ever. Travis Scott is a perfect example. Antidote. Yeah. Antidote. Or everything before that. Antidote. Antidote. Everything. The only, the only record of his that actually debuted on the charts was 3500 and that was because there was such a big campaign for it. Like, it dropped after Summer Jam, and he had all this, these artworks, and he had, you know, these, the future on it. But, like, Antidote is just now crawling up the charts. Like, you know, when it was making 10,000 people jump up and down, it was just nowhere. It was on the internet. I just want to stay here for the fact that I just saw Cope smile, and, I saw, and I've probably heard more from Cope this week than I've heard from him in the entire, what are we on, like 11 episodes now, something like it's that, for this season? I've been a part of like quiet. Four, five episodes. It's quiet, bro, it's quiet. <laughs> and in four five episodes, you've probably only said like seven, 12 and a half words. He's coming out of like he's, 12 he's and a half words today. <laughs> he's coming out of this show. Yes, he is. Yo, shout out to shout, King Cope in the building. What's up? Oh man, okay. So for indie for indie artists, um looking for advice. Um what should artists do for promo after the initial hype for their album or project has died out? That's a great question. What should indie artists do after the initial hype for their what is it? Yeah, album, project, EP, however, whatever, you know, there's a, b- a bazillion words to these things. The you know? initial? Okay. Yeah. Well, I know this is y'all interview, but I feel like artists don't push their music long enough. 
they don't push it like they 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 like they push it for like three months drop one video if one video because there's so many artists right now that i know have projects indie artists like literally indie 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 artists and they don't have not one video or anything for it and it's like what are you doing like do you do you try do you have shows or do, what do you do like you know what i'm saying you drop your music and it's like nothing happens after that i think i don't know why people think it's supposed to like snowball into something i think um once the initial hype dies out, that's a that's an interesting time period. I think videos and, and just recording more is what they need to be doing. I mean, we're we're in a very visual era, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, videos, videos is what drives everything. Like there are so many people that know rappers just because they saw a dope video, not necessarily mm-hmm. because they saw it, heard a dope project. What sort of gif? Um, you know, aesthetics, especially with you know the the, the artists that are successful now, were very aesthetically gifted like they know what their artwork is supposed to look like what it's supposed to make people feel you know even their tour um merch and like chance you know like travis they're very meticulous about every small detail um travis uh ti had a great interview actually when he first met travis scott he said travis walked up to him and was like yo everything's supposed to feel this way like the letters have to look this way and everything is supposed to sound like this. And T.I. was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> but, but when you look at it now, I mean, he was absolutely right. Like, mm-hmm. Travis Travis Scott is not that good of a rapper, but he knows how to make a song that people really like. Yeah. And that's what that's the point he was trying to get across. I think T.I. said that may have been three, four years ago. But that's the point he was trying to get across. Like, you have to really, you have to make people see you for more than just someone rapping on beats. So you need to be shooting dope visuals, right? You need to record as much as possible. Never, like, never stop recording as an indie artist. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like, never stop recording. What I would say is that there isn't one set path to take as as an artist. Because everybody's art is different. Everybody's art has a different weight to it. Everybody's art comes from their own perspective. And so there is no, like formula of things you should do after your project comes out to keep buzz going because your narrative is different than the next man's narrative so you can't mm-hmm. do the same thing that the next man did and expect it to work that's kind of why i think the whole weekly freestyle idea is overrated because like 2008 yes that first of all is that point which <laughs> i brought eye. up before crooked eye, like. yeah <laughs> but the second part of it too is like you're not crooked eye or you're not like the next guy like if you try to do what the next guy did then, or like the weekly song idea or whatever, like that's not going to work for you because you may not make the same music that guy makes. So people aren't as interested in hearing a song from you every week. Or maybe you are a person who just puts out bangers every week. So maybe you should, you know, put out your next single a month or two after your project and just go on to the next one. Maybe you mm. are that type of person who okay. just needs a lot of music in bulk just to keep be out there like a young thug or, you know, whatever. But Or maybe you just need to put that project out and let it marinate. Let people sit on it. Try to get reviews from certain publications to mm-hmm. sort of boost the credentials of it down the line after a couple months. Or maybe you need a music video to put a spotlight on one particular song off the project to sort of give that song new life and so then maybe give the project more life on the back end of that or maybe you need a remix from a producer or a, mm. or a rapper co-sign or something like, like that you know artists don't do remixes like that. that's true though I, w- I really wish that that, that 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 would take off it would be so dope it, it reminds me of 106 in Park ultimately Damn. the big thing you have to remember about indie artists um, to kind of respond to what Coke was saying is that there is no budgets for yeah. indie artists Fact. and so 
Sometimes the remix just isn't, or video shoot just isn't possible, right? I think what happens with indie artists, if, for some of them, anyway, some of them they just don't, they just don't know what they're doing. But some mm-hmm. of them, um, mm-hmm. it's a struggle between wanting to get a video out to get a video out, but wanting to get the right type of video out to convey the aesthetic that they want to channel. Yeah. And if they yeah. can't get that aesthetic, they don't want to put the video out. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the budget to get that aesthetic. Yeah. And yeah. so if you don't have the budget to get the vision that you want, why put out something half-assed just to put something out? Thank you. The tough, Thank the, you. The, the tough part is the best thing for them to do is to just find someone that believes in their vision that also is grinding the way they are, video-wise. Mm-hmm. Like the you know the artists I know that are really successful with videos have the same person shooting all at least the indie artists mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. the same person shooting all every their videos video every single one so, because like because, be, because they're they're because they're in the same position you got a videographer that believes he's really talented but needs to work with someone who's equally talented facts you know facts. Um, there's a there's a great young group coming out of Brooklyn I can say this name <laughs> Sleeper Camp mm-hmm. um, oh I've heard of them Jimmy Tense J Bell and um, um, they're managed by a good friend of mine mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I went to the studio one night just to check them out they have a studio like across the street from my office so I just went in there one, one night just out of curiosity and you know they have an operation that's just really really just all inclusive like the video guy produces oh wow okay. you know what I mean like the producer raps he also engineers like everything is in house like they don't Most have, to go, to, they don't have to go to anybody for anything mm-hmm. and that's the best situation because you can get the aesthetic you want because you have a video guy that's dedicated to you you can get the beats you want because your producer is always with you you Facts. know what I mean that's that's really it, it, it really that's why <laughs> this goes all the way back to our earlier point about when we, we were talking about financial stability but it was we mentioned infrastructure mm-hmm. like being an indie artist is not just about being able to rap on beats like you really have to be able to put together an operation that's going to be successful like you're not just going to get successful because someone heard you rap and they're like I'm going to give you a deal like it takes a lot more work than mm-hmm. yeah, everybody hold on real quick I'm sorry but everybody that's been successful over the last five years have had a collective or a camp where everybody's doing something if you don't have that it's really really mm-hmm. hard it's really 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 hard to get I mean, ASAP like Mob is a great mm-hmm. example. Of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like everyone, everyone that does anything in there has this the prefix ASAP. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> true. It's, That's true. I don't think you necessarily have to have a collective. Um, not everybody. Not know. a collective as in a group, but like, in like, like people around. A team. Like, yeah, a, right. team, a, a team. A team of some fashion. Not a collective yeah. as in like, That's like right. in like right. you know yeah. pro era. So I mean, collective as in like have people a around structure. You do everything. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Infrastructure. That's what yeah. it takes. Yeah. You can't just. You can't do it alone. It's not right. possible. Exactly. And then you over here trying to figure out who's shooting my next video and who's making money. Yeah. That's just Who's who got the studio? That's not going. It doesn't. It's like a bit. You're basically running a business without a budget. Right. Facts. You know what I mean? Facts. So, so you have to treat, you have to treat it like a business. Like no one's gonna start a magazine with one writer. Mm. You know what I mean? Even though a magazine is all words and pictures, there's a hundred hundred other employees that have to do things. You know what I mean? Not so facts. You know, facts. That's, that's what that is. Um, so a lot of artists, I mean almost every artist is on social media and if they're not, then they're not really an artist in my eyes. Um, how I mean honestly it's true but between between the five of us saying here we probably have a hundred billion unwanted DMs mentions with songs in our in our you know so I'm like, oh listen to me listen to me yeah. how should an artist um, how should an artist utilize social media the right way to get their music out I want to think about that what do you think okay I I have a very arbitrary way of listening to music so if somebody DMs me something versus somebody emailing me something, I might check the DM out before I check the email out. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. 
because I don't get that many DMs compared to emails. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for me. And I'm very OCD. I like to have, knock out all the mentions, whether I actually do anything to the right. emails or do anything to the messages. I like to have at least mark everything red. So I, I will like check my DM before I check my email and then sometimes because it's just quicker. Fair enough. Um, okay. And, and uh, you know what I use more than even DMs? Facebook message. Really? I will have conversations with people, you know, and they'll be like, oh, what do you think of this song? And I'll be like, yo, I like this song or whatever, you know, whatever. Like, and I might not even know that person necessarily, but we're friends on Facebook and they'll send me something and I might check it out. Sometimes. Sometimes I won't. Do and not message me on Facebook. I hate that. Oh, my God. And now, here's, now here's the reason why I'm saying this, because at the end of the day, people, writers especially, and bloggers and people with <laughs> egos have this thing where you have to approach me in a certain way, in a certain format, in a certain <laughs> template. It's like your teacher in high school. You have to write this in size 12 font, <laughs> double spaced, pair, like, what does that tell you about the content of the paper itself? What does that tell you about the content of the song itself? Facts. Just because somebody has submitted something in nice packaging and, and you know, done it the right way. Now, granted, it, you, it can tell you something about you know the content right mm -hmm. people when they go to a record store they'll buy an album because of the artwork because of what they see because it jumps out at them there's so many songs so many projects sometimes you need that right packaging to mm -hmm. get somebody's attention but every artist is one song away from their trajectory completely transforming exponentially because it's not if it if all they're missing is somebody to send the email the right way or or the email to be sent the right way then if some some manager or some publicist finds the song really likes the song they can be like yo just give me your shit and we'll send it to the right person and yeah. we'll send it the right way and there problem solved you didn't have to figure out how to write an email or spell correctly and your music which went pop because your music was that good anyways so i don't I, like i kind of don't view it the way a lot of people do, that you need to send us this by email, you need to send us this properly, all that stuff, because that's not true. And I've had plenty of people, I'll name names, Jimmy Johnson, the guy from uh, Jimmy Prime or whatever mm. from Toronto, had emails in my inbox from six months before that thing took off, before mm -hmm. Zovio posted it. I didn't check it out, I didn't get a chance to check it out. Yeah. Webster X, I met this kid, he's a kid from Milwaukee. Uh, he's put records out with Alan Kingdom and stuff. When I met him uh, a couple weeks ago, he goes, yo, you're Dharmic, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I used to send you messages on Facebook. And what I realized he was doing, the reason why I never checked his stuff was because he was sending me full-out press releases on my Facebook. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, and no I, wonder. I never checked it. But I say that to say that That's a guy right. who sent me music via Facebook message, who, who now you'll hear the name and see the name and see amazing shit and see everybody on it. But this was a kid sending me Facebook messages. But do you have, okay. do you, do you have an oh shit like moment? Too. Do you have an oh shit moment at that point? Like, damn, I could have been, oh, I could have been putting them on. It is early. what it is, you know. Yeah, like, I, I just, it is like what that. it is. I, I didn't have time to check it, or I didn't respond for whatever reason. I, because I don't view it that way. I don't view it like, oh, I needed to check my emails a certain way, or I only respond to people who put the right subject in my email. I, I, I don't do it that way. But even way. if you checked it, would, would that mean anything? Because I, I, po I, I used to post K Camp songs all the time. Mm -hmm. Tory Lanez, all the time. K Camp. K camp, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it is, but this is this is 2009, 2010, 2011. You know what yeah. I mean? So, and even sleeper camp, like I know sleeper camp because you know what I'm saying. Like, what you call it? What you call the cousin? So it's like, exactly. So it's like, like, is it, what, what would that have done for me? I'm opposed these people. I'm not. Maybe it wouldn't have done here. something. Maybe it wouldn't have done anything. Maybe it, it would have done. It may not have. I mean, I don't. I can't call that. But for ex oh, another example is Tunji Ige, who mm -hmm. DM'd me a song before Day to Day came out. Um, I didn't like the song. 
And I, to this day, when I see him, I say I didn't like the song. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> to his face. Yeah, no, we cool. We cool as hell. And he's a great artist. I just mm. didn't like that song. Um, he said the wrong song. Yeah, he did. And, and he did. But, um, but yeah. Always I, send your best song. Yeah, definitely always send your best song. Yeah. How, you, how do you know what someone else is Yeah, doing? how do you That's know what song? Thing. Yeah, so that, that it, it, he saying? just, he tried. Me and him have this argument all the time with how do we put people on to certain people. Like, yeah, really how do you just, know which yeah, song? You'll play oh, certain yeah. songs and I'll play a yeah. different song. I me. suck at that because yeah. I'm very subjective. Like, I mean, I guess be saying you're very subjective with music is, is kind of like a, a like water is wet, but like I'm <laughs> super subjective. Like, it is. Yeah. I mean, everyone is, but like there are certain songs that I know in my head. I'm like, yo, once you hear this, you're gonna be blown away. Yeah. And then they yeah. listen to that's it. And they listen to it. And, and they don't feel that's, that's, that's not the introduction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm a good introduction person. I can play you yeah, songs that's going he's to. Much better it's going to introduce. It's not even their best songs. It's just that I know that you're gonna like it because you like. Like I always pick the song where like if you're already a fan, this will make you love it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm like that too. He's much I'm like better that at too. like picking the one that objectively is like like, like oh, he'll pl- he'll play Book of Soul for somebody like you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I just, would, I did, I did actually. Instead of like instead of like Sopa or some shit, you uh, know what I'm saying? Like right, I don't know. So yeah, I say all that to say that it, there are a lot of artists out there. So it really is a crapshoot in terms of getting people's attention. Uh, obviously. If you're really worried about blogs and bloggers, etc., you should probably do it the way they want it because they'll probably not check your music out otherwise. But you are literally one song away from somebody doing that job for you and doing it well if the song is good enough. So the first step is first. Just make the quality music to your vision, to what you want to achieve, and then figure out all that stuff after. That's straight fast. That's kind of... That's actually how I, I found out about McConan, actually. Like, I ran into him at Community 54. Wow. And wow, that's a random place for him. Yeah, that's this was uh, last summer, like, before uh, Drake did Tuesday. This was, like, June or July of last summer, and I ran into him at Community 54. That's when things were starting to buzz for him a little bit, right they before that. They were buzzing. Yeah. They were buzzing slowly, and I had I, I, knew, the, I knew the doll face, and I, right. I, saw, I saw him with it, and I'm like, oh, you're the guy with the doll. And he was like, yeah, what's your Twitter? I'll follow you. I was like, all right. So we followed mm-hmm. each other on Twitter. And then just out of curiosity, I went on Spotify and I listened to I Don't Sell Molly No More. And after 10, after 10 seconds, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. <laughs> like, I, the, the, I didn't even hear the first verse yet. All I heard was a... And then like, after 10 seconds, I, was, I just turned it off. I was like... <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. So I DM'd him. I was like, yo, this shit is about to take off. And he was like, I know. I can't wait. Literally. So I went. I had gone to OVO Fest, right? And they were playing that song just, you know, like in between sets, kind of like house music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got back to New York, like the next day, the Tuesday remix came out. So at the end of I was like, oh, shit. He was like, told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. It, it's just like, it's not always going to be a press release. That's, I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not always going to be some formal <laughs> it could be a drink channel. <laughs> yeah, it could be like, you. I've I, I, I found out about right. so many different artists at fucking barbecues, random yeah. random backstage moments, mm. you know, uh, clothing stores. Like, you know, I, it, it's, it's not, it, it's so taboo. For people to think that, you know, oh my God, I gotta have a publicist to send this press release. It's like, oh, shut up. 
I like to find my music. I don't like being given music. I hate it. So I, I'm the type of person who may not peep the press releases all the time, but I'll go on a blog and find it, like, just listening to stuff. And, like, and I'm the type of person also who might see a name a few times, and after the fourth or fifth time, be like, okay, now I want to check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just comfortable how I'm comfortable doing it. And so, you know, that's just my preference. Not all bloggers are like that. Not all writers are like that. So you can't keep my preferences in mind when you're trying to figure out how to put your stuff out. But I'm just saying, that's the way I like to check it. I don't necessarily care for the press release all the time. That's fair. I think it's always good to just have a couple people around you whose taste you really trust, too. Like, that's where I find out a lot about yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Sure. You know, like, I got a couple of my boys, like, we, we have this ongoing group chat all day mm-hmm, where it's just be like, yo, check this out, watch this video. And, like, if they'll send it to me, I already know I gotta watch it. Or oh, something. okay, yeah, but, yeah. But, like, yeah, when yeah. random people might send me something, it's like, eh. you a little bit like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's like, it's any port for a storm. Like, I mean, if you listen to everything you get sent, you'll never have time for anything. Never. Nope, never. never. Like, my never. email inbox right now doesn't even have a number. It just says 2-0 and dots. Like, Damn. I don't have time to, like, you know, so I can't live like that. You see, you see, you know the crazy. All right, so I prefer DMs. Um, build a relationship with me. Talk to me. Tell me how you feel. If I really like your music, I'll keep talking to you. If, if I if I play it and I don't like it, I'll just be like, I might just do the conversation, maybe not respond or whatever. But if I like it, if I like it, I'll chat with you the whole day. Like I like I have at least four people in my DMs right now who send me music. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. Yeah, just keep sending it to me. Blah blah blah. I got you. Right, but sometimes it's the other way. But if you send me an email, I I like to keep my emails read, so I don't have that ridiculous number. Yeah, that, I like it. <laughs> I can't. Right now I mine can't. is really high at 130. Otherwise, I don't like it that high. No, no. I like it to be zero. I don't want to see nothing. But at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, um, if if an artist sends me music, I feel. I mean, and this is stupid, but I try. I feel really bad if I don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep it as read. I'll keep it as unread, just to remind me, like, yo, you gotta go back. You gotta go back. Yeah. And and I, I sometimes I just I just don't. Yo, if somebody sent me something in Canada, I won't shout his name out, but. I'm, I'm gonna get to it, I swear. It's been like a month, but I swear I'm gonna get to you. That's real. You know what, Wise? You got me on to giving people a chance with DMs and things. Because at first with Twitter and Facebook, nope, nope, don't bother me. But actually, I did find, actually, an artist, like about two weeks ago, sent me something. He's like, oh, can you write a blog? Can you write a blurb for me on upcoming hip hop? And I'm like, I don't do requests, bro, but um, I gave him a chance, and um, he has really great taste in beats. And nothing Very the fuck important. else. <laughs> I got that. I got fourteen hundred emails. I don't even blog. I've been blogged since yeah, twelve. I mean, I don't understand people still say, "Hey, cool." You like made my temperature rise when you said about that. Like, what you said with uh, messages and like, if you like the music, you'll continue to talk to them. I've found that people who make great music may not be people I'm cool with necessarily. Like, yeah. there's a couple of artists whose music that? I really like who I hope to never have to have a conversation with in person <laughs> <laughs> because they are assholes or they're yeah. dicks or whatever. Like, I don't... Just like because that. you make great music doesn't mean you're a cool person to hang out with. And the opposite is very true, too. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are really cool to hang out with, and I'm not going to name any names. Like, that, you see them out at all the events and yeah. you, you hang out with them and they're really cool as hell. They're awesome people. You want to you see them win. You want to see them win. Because but you, you just around them, but I don't no, really care for their music. Them. Like it's not going to show up on my phone, and it's not going to be something I'm listening to. It's not going to be something I recommend to other people to listen oh, to. Shit. But they're just cool people. How many friends we got like that? Yo? 
Stop it! No, no, it's not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, like, so many. We like it's it's hard because it's like, and then they say stuff like, my friends don't support. Oh my god, I hate that conversation. No, but let's have it. No, but let's have a conversation because that's very interesting. Because I actually know a rapper who actually cut all ties with his friends for that very reason. Like, none of y'all support me. I'm out. Are you mad because? Hold up, hold up, though. So what do you what do you all think of that? What do you think about rappers who just say, if you don't, if you're not about my music? Then we just this is the thing this, this is the thing has always been with me if it's good we'll I'll support it mm-hmm. I don't it doesn't matter who you are like I don't it, it's it's just good practice like you, yeah you have to have confidence in who you are and and what you believe in to know when it's time to support someone and when it's time to not like there is so and you know when I was doing this at the show at Hunter with Chris and my best friend Shanae we, um, you know, we were constantly surrounded by friends who rapped. It's just, you know, it's just the nature of. It's the nature of the business. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's you know, when when when, when you have when you have a bunch of, when you hang out with people with similar goals like that's you know, and you're trying to everyone's trying to get to the same place. So everyone's going to be doing something, whether it's a radio show, whether they rap, whether they produce, whatever. Everything's not going to be good. That's just what it is, you know. So you just have to be honest. You got to be honest with people. Like there are going to be people that make bad shit. That's just how it is. You know what I mean? And. You don't have to phrase it like that if you care about the person or you want to cloak it or you want to sugarcoat it, whatever. But that doesn't mean you have to wholeheartedly support someone just because you know them personally. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, no one does that anywhere and is successful. Like, think of Kanye. Think of all, think of, I know so many people that Ye was per- like close with. And he was like, yo, this shit sucks. And that's just what it is. Like, you can't, if he supported it, he wouldn't be yay. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, there's a reason. You can't have yes men. You, you can't can have yes men. You can't be a yes man. Yes. We were just having that conversation before about avoiding yeah, being right. a yes man. Yeah. But when there are people that make good shit, oh, I love, I love. Oh, 1,000. You, you, you like, love, support their shit 100. I out, like, I love reaching out, like, yo, this is fucking, like, to this day. True city. I can say this name, too. My boy in front of Bronx, Frank. Is he from the Bronx? Frank? Frank is from the Bronx. There's a rapper named Frank Rams. Oh, okay. Rams? Oh, he'll be in here in December. Yo, yeah. this dude, I tell him all the time, like, yo, you're probably the best rapper in New York right now. John Lennon. Like, this motherfucker can <laughs> rap his ass off. Like, he's he's one of the few people that I don't, like, actually go on Apple Music and find that will rap a verse, and I'll just be like, did I just, what? Like, I'll run, I'll run Like, his, his lyric game yeah, is like, so it's, tight. it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. And I always tell him, you know what I mean? But... If he makes something bad, I'm not gonna be like, "Yo, this is amazing." Like, no, it'll be like, "Yo, this is not good." And that ass though, like, you need to. It will still be cool. You know what I mean? Like, it won't, it won't be an issue. Because you're not doing anyone a favor by lying to them. Because you know what? He's gonna take, he's gonna believe you, and he's gonna take that song to someone more important, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and he's gonna get his his heart broken. You know what I mean? So. Just, yeah. just be honest. You don't like what you like. Go back in the lab and fix. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. All right, so we got to run to a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we have, oh, man, we have short, we short on time, and we have a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, but we'll be back. This is the Encore Radio Show. Good morning. Morning. Coming up on a future episode of the Encore Radio Show. Uh, uh, focus on possession. It's a lot of, got a lot of, probably why I'm stressing. Never on a nigga, but these niggas, they be testing. Keep these niggas guessing. I'm a problem, that's no question. I be giving lessons. I'm too much for simple minds. If I wait, I'm wasting time. Make a wish, I make it mine. Wondering why you on my line, but pick up. Cause I ain't on no Hollywood. Left VA not going for good. Trying to see what's really good in New York. They say I'm the future coming too short. I'm cancer to the competition, bitch. I'm like some Newports. Game needs me. Giving all y'all female 
tell MCs the heebie-jeebies, and if they talking otherwise, tell them come and see me. <laughs> and we're back with the Encore Radio Show. So you, there was a lot of Twitter talk this week. Yeah, there's a lot of Twitter talk this and week about... And something was getting you mad about on Twitter. Yeah, man, it's Vince Staples thing, man. Uh, Time Magazine interviews uh, Vince Staples, and they basically... Like, basically, the headline for Time Magazine, meet the rapper who thinks the 90s are overrated. And, um, Which is ridiculous, by the way. Ridiculous, it's a clickbait. Right? It's, rid- yeah, it's ridiculous. It's totally clickbait. It's ridiculous. And everybody ate that shit up. Okay, Too bad he so didn't say it. Get him. Meet the rapper who thinks the 90s are overrated on Time Magazine is not necessarily that clickbait, especially when he did talk exactly that. He said the 1990s were overrated. That's what he said. He said he said those words. He never said those words. I don't think I don't he said not, not verbatim. But also keep in mind the word I'm missing or I didn't include in there, which hip-hop. he also never said. Hip hop. He never said anything about hip hop. They never said anything about hip hop. Obviously they said rap artists, but they never said anything about '90s era rap, golden era boom bap. None of that. Vince Staples didn't mention any of that. What I'm saying is that the article says '90s are overrated. He said the '90s were not as popping as the 2000s in terms of living as a kid growing up. Which is a fair assessment. Which is his someone, opinion, and yeah, I disagree with. Actually, was born in the '90s, who ain't really started listening. To he was six so, years old in 2000. That's what I'm saying. So like, I can, I can, I can understand. I just, I think, I the reason why I think it's clickbait is because if they had just put out the article and gave it a different name, and, uh, or give the title something much more relaxed, like Vince Sable talks about hip hop, no one would have clicked on it. It would have probably went over Mavi was He wasn't talking about hip hop for the or first time. Music that in general. What would you what would you call that? What would you title that piece? Vince Sable talks about growing up in the 2000s. If they if if, if they yeah, if that was the title, that's, they that's a terrible headline. Exactly. exactly. Terrible Wait, what about the millennial rapper? Would that have well? Probably not as much Going as that. Was another. It, it's a good title. That could, yeah, but that would yeah. have been sparked as much uh, conversation. I think. But it was yeah. it was it was methodical what, what they did though what they chose to get as many clicks as possible. So, so what happens is so what happens is you know I wake up and I see Noriega's like such an mm. idiotic statement and, and I could tell that he didn't watch it. Mind you, I didn't know. I'm like, oh shit, this nigga Vince is wild. He's talking about the '90s and he shit. Said, he said, I think Noriega said uh, favorite rapper Lil Bow Wow. I get it or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But, you, but but if you watch the if you watch the interview. If you watch the interview, or you, uh, or if you ever watch any interview or heard Vince Stables talk anything, you can tell, like, you can sense the sarcasm. You can sense the like. Oh, he's the, a master troll. Yo, he like everything. He you can't really you could take certain things he said seriously, but like it's easy to pick apart. But if you watch the interview, you know that he now, never said Vince Bow Wow Bow Wow is his favorite rapper. He said and I it was. No, it was. Oh, did he say it was? He said it was. Because in 2013, I did the interview for Complex, the I am uh, who has been Staples. He said his favorite rapper in 2013 was Young Girl. Oh, I, that's what I'm saying. He's a troll. Like that's what he like. He now he said that. He and then and then you know I, I was going through the timeline. And somebody was like, "Yo, Lil Bow Wow, your favorite rapper? How that?" He's like, "Nigga said I was six years old, nigga. Yeah. He was young. I was young. He could rap and he looked like me. Like he, he was a couple years older than me. Like yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like." I can relate to that though. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't give a shit about rap until like 2006. Yeah, same. 2006. When I started listening to that's rap, when I started was, high school. I mean, I always listened to it, but I didn't. I thought I was late. Damn. Okay. I was I late too, though. Like I didn't start listening to I rap started, until like 2001. I started. Okay. Li- I started listening to I was it. Like I have. Fa- I have favorite songs like you know the Outkast. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. AKI and all that. I used to like the Baja man who let the dogs out. <laughs> it was rap to me. one claimed the name. <laughs> it was yeah. as close as I came to really loving rap. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's before, what I mean, that's what it was. But, but, yeah, that shit was lit. Before high school, you know what I'm saying? But like, I didn't like. It's a, you know, obviously I went back and I did research and I, you know, I binge listened to all these classics. Yeah, he, 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 he thinks we don't overrated. We get that. I, you know what though? I'm glad you actually said that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that go. The, I'm going to say this. Okay, so right now, right now, uh, hip-hop is what? Like 30-some-odd years? 40-some-odd years? Okay, right? A very young genre. Mm -hmm. And it's not even... It's not... Okay, so rock... Matter of fact, no. I don't think there is another culture that is as influential in the history of music aside from Mm -hmm. hip-hop. There's a hip-hop culture that... I mean, so many things bloom out of it, really. So you could argue that jazz spawned right. hip hop, and therefore jazz is the most influential genre of music of all time. But, but I mean, that's an argument you can make. Right? Yeah, I, man, that's like that's like saying you know one plus. I mean, yeah, one plus one equals two. So one, of course, has an has has a place in every single number after that. Yeah, right, it, right, right. It's, I get what you're saying though. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Forward driven, yeah. like pop culture driven mm-hmm. genre exactly music. Yeah, so enough. so so what are the boundaries of hip hop you know being said that, that is such a young genre hip hop has obviously many different faces um, but we do kick out some uh, genres or we don't really um, respect some genres just to protect the, the sanctity of the boom bap so when are we going to start embracing or should we even start embracing these different this differing styles 2015 definitely was one where we saw a lot of differing styles come out Particularly if we have to mention him, Fetty Wap, um, and his different style. But then, I mean, there are styles that have been around for a long time, like grime in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are we going to get to a place where we can truly uh, embrace the offspring or the multiple offsprings of hip hop? I mean, I don't know what we're waiting for. Like, <laughs> honestly, I mean, it's like, I mean, to every every generation, every decade, every era, you know. It, you're given more and more reason to just just shut up and listen. Like Kanye, Drake, Cuddy, you know, Kendrick, Cole. I mean, these are all people that maybe 10, 15 years ago, no one would really give a shit about. And now they're running the game. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I, I, I work with uh, a couple of 40, 45-year-old men mm. that are so close-minded. It's incredible. Like, I mean... The very things that they used to justify when they were in their 20s is now suddenly doesn't make sense. You know, it's impure. It's all this other shit. It's like, like when I go back and I listen to some of these 90s records, like some of them suck, yo. Like, and I get it because you know what? You had to be, you had the hip hop. Like I said, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a song that sounded amazing in, in 1997 is not gonna sound like anything now. But if you were 24 in 1997 and you were struggling and you were hustling and you had a baby mama that kept calling you one of these one of these old LL Cool J songs is gonna sound like the motherfucking national anthem to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying but when I listen to it I'm like okay man bring on Young Thug you know what I mean like that's just that is what it is like everything is subjective so I think you just have to kind of do your history n- not just not just that but like I mean it's like uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I, I think the the, the, the the most important thing is just to like, just to remember that there's no rubric on how to be an artist. You know what I mean? 
you don't or fan. Right. Here's the thing. Hip hop is a genre of music, and music is tied to your emotions. Exactly. In any genre, hip hop is an emotion. Uh, music is an emotional thing. Music is something that you feel. It's not something that you're. Re- you can't read. I mean, right. you can read notes, but you can't read a song the way you like. Um, you know, read a book. It's, it's just and, and reading a book has emotions, whatever. But anyways, music is very em- emotional, or like or in your in your uh, or subjective. Yeah. Um, and it makes you feel a certain type of way. And and so what are the what are the two? There are two types of music that'll always resonate to you. The music you grew up with, like the music your parents sort of had in the background, that'll always have a special place in, in your heart because you were a kid when you were listening to that. And so it, it hits you as like a kid. It reminds you back of a time when things were innocent and where you didn't have responsibilities, etc. So you'll always have a certain type of connection to that music. Um, that's why a lot of people, like a lot of hip hop producers, sample soul records because that yeah. was what their parents were growing up on. Whether they thought it was the cool music later on or not, that's just what has a special place in their heart. Mm-hmm. The other music that you will really resonate with is the music you listen to as a teenager with the kids around you. Because that's the music that when you broke away from your parents and you like formed your own opinions, that was the people who your peers are the ones putting you onto that music. Straight and that has a special true. resonance to you as well. Mm-hmm. So the music from an earlier time that your parents aren't gonna put you up onto or that you know you didn't grow up with isn't going to have the same weight in your mind or in your heart the way the these other music will, the music of today does. And that's just the reality generation by generation that'll always evolve, that'll always always change and so you know I understand why people are maybe upset that like a rapper who uh, makes the music that Vince does doesn't have the same reverence for like uh, I don't know the clips or whoever Vince Staples allegedly doesn't have a reverence for but or Talib Kweli or whatever but um, that's just not what he his parents grew up put him onto mm-hmm. and that's not what he grew up on so if you went back and did the research which he has talked about doing by the way yeah. you can read the who is Vince Staples and he talks about Michael Uzuwaro putting him on to different styles of music different artists like Pimp C's and Mac Dre's and Sugar Freeze etc but or um you know, they, so he might be up on them the way I had to Wikipedia artists to find out about hip hop mm-hmm, as an Indian American mm-hmm. kid. That just wasn't something that like I was going to find out from OGs. It just wasn't like part of my background. Yeah. Like yeah. I went to an inner city high school, but that means I was up on like the trap, the snap rap era, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is Lean with the Rock with it versus Laffy Taffy was <laughs> our coke first Pepsi. I went to Boston high school in Boston, Lean but like. Lean with, the, lean with the Rock with it was my choice. I didn't really mess with Lappy Tappy like that. <laughs> that summer was, was uh, what you know about that, T.I. Yeah. That just is what it is. When that song comes on, mm. when those records come on, it that's going to have a triggers. place in my heart. Yeah. I will always play that at a party. Straight fire. So. That's what I like. And on, the, on the flip side of that, I grew up on Bollywood music. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up on soul music. So Marvin Gaye is dope. And I'll, always, I'll never you know disrespect the legacy of like Nina Simone, Marvin Gaye, Luke Vandross, all that. But... Play some ARM on, play some like Bollywood '90s shit, and that's going to get me excited. That's what I know. And I was, I was just gonna say that, you know. Group on the Temptations. (laughs) Well, that's I, I didn't expect that from you. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. But no, I like I grew up on I grew up on soca. I grew up on dancehall. I grew up on reggae. I grew up listening to Eleven Night. I grew up listening to a lot of stuff, right? You know, and uh, I wanted to bring this up, you know, uh, being an Indian American, mm-hmm. coming from Boston on top of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
diversity in hip hop obviously will always be at the forefront in any conversation that that you have um, because too too many too many fans to people from from on the outside as well. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let me rephrase that. To people specifically on the outside of hip hop who don't know the hip hop fan base, they will look at you as an outsider. Do you think that is? Why do you think that even happens? Matter of fact. Exactly, and he is he is more of an insider than he than I mean, they are. Here's the thing. So the name Dharmic X comes from both where I'm from and what hip hop is. Okay. X, the X in it specifically is a reference to Malcolm X. It's a mm. reference to the idea of lost identity, but it's also a reference to the fact that hip hop is black culture. Mm. Hip hop will always be black culture. Yeah. And there is no Bless way you. around that. That is what it is. Like that is like I you can't take that away from hip hop. Mm -hmm. There can be frat rap, there can be others lanes and spaces of rap, but it's all derived from the fact that hip hop is black culture. Yeah. So yes, there will always be sort of a part of my identity within hip-hop as like kind of an outsider's perspective mm -hmm. um that that and that's fine you know because that just is the reality of the situation but as part of being that outsider it means doing and if you want to be a part of it the way i've wanted to be a part of it then you have to you've done your homework you have to have respect for the ogs who came through you have to have done your research and mm -hmm. understand the importance of Smith and Wesson, or the importance of Apol and MJG back in the '90s, and from Memphis, uh, you know Memphis. Um, you have to do your history and understand all the music and listen to it and talk to the people who came from that era and sort of pay that homage, particularly in, in like a media sense, not so much as an artist. Yeah. That's the other thing too, right? Like an artist like Vince Staples, he's not going to be listening to music all the time if he's making his own music because that's just not what artists, artists don't listen, artists listen to other genres of music to get inspired or artists don't listen to any music to get inspired. Yeah. They're not going to be listening to other rappers to like write rap songs. Like that's a <laughs> Like, that's not how it works. That's how you might flows. Yeah, that's how people accuse you of copying other mm -hmm. people. So he's probably not listening to that much, you know, music. So, you know, or like rap music like that. And that's not his job. For media people, for people whose job is to write about it, or for people who want to be a part of the game itself and aren't artists, then yeah, you probably should do your research and know what's going on and know the backstories to it. You'll never fully have, like, they're guys like Dart Adams, right? An OG from Boston. Mm. Like, OG, just OG. I just started following him actually. He's, a, he's, a, he's the big homie. Every time I go back to Boston, I'll try to meet him because yeah. he's just, he's got great, but he's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. So he remembers things in a more visceral way than I ever will just reading something off Wikipedia. Facts. And he's entitled to that and mm -hmm. I'll never have that experience, but it's- In time you will, in time. I'll have my own memories and yeah. my own experiences of my era, mm -hmm. but I won't have that moment um, in in the 88 or of course not because I was born in 92 so that's what it is but yeah to go back to the, the identity I mean hip hop ultimately resonated with me because it was welcoming because it invites people in mm -hmm. it's a community and it has a community aspect to it and I've always felt welcomed in by it yeah. but at the same time I think it's important enough that I will always be an outsider because that is just the dynamics of of, of the culture you feel like you have to work harder, no more than someone who is blind. I think I felt that way growing up, actually, mm -hmm. when I started getting into hip hop. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was just my mentality with everything, though. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would listen to you know what everybody else was listening to, but I would always go back and like be listening to like like on my my phone on my iPod or whatever. I'd have like Big Daddy Kane, but I'd also have DJ Khaled. Like mm -hmm. I'd just be listening okay. to them like on shuffle. Um, and you know I would it, I made that my responsibility in a way to sort of know as much as I could about everything so that I, I just knew and knew more than the people around me. And maybe that's just a mentality. Um, not everybody has that mentality. I'm like that too. I understand. Was, 
that was just how I approached it. So your boy said your boy said she's going not be married for twenty twenty. That was the most amazing quote of the whole week. Because you know what he was referring <laughs> to, right? Exactly. He was referring to a block. He's not referring to the 2000s, and people, and he did it in such a way where people the could wor- misinterpret it. Yeah, the wordplay is lovely. What was the best tweet from that whole? I know you, I know you was looking at the best tweet was the sugar free one. Nah, the best. You talking about Miss Ludacris one? No, no, no. The best tweet was he's great. Nigga, I was seven when I forgot what he said, but I don't remember how he started it. But he said. Uh, in 1990-something, I was seven years old, and Toy Story 2 just came out. You niggas think I was really worried about rap? Yes, he did say that. He did say that. <laughs> and I was, that was so That's so real. It's like, yo, I, like, I didn't, like, people always feel like I'm I'm saying something blasphemous when they mention an and album. You, and I know, and, you, I know you respect that, because that, that was you. I remember yeah, that conversation. Yeah, like, that was, like, I didn't, like, I was listening to the Backstreet Boys. Like, I was listening to Radio Disney. Like, I didn't, give a, I didn't give a fuck about the fall of Rockefeller. But Ben Staple said he never, and that's the funny thing about Vince because he's just the hood dude at the same time he said he never listened to a Backstreet Boys album yeah, he, he never, never listened to an NSYNC yeah, album yeah. he never listened to a, uh, what you say uh, the, the girl group Spice Girls never listened to a Spice Girls album really which is real I've never done either of the three either in mm-hmm. full so I've heard records obviously right, but right, like right. I didn't listen to any of the three that's real yeah. you know like an I, mean, I, I was very, I was just very sheltered like my parents are immigrants like yeah. you know when they mm-hmm. first got they went, when they came here in the 80s hip hop was a very volatile thing to be a part of like, yeah. Yeah. it was it was crack rap and violence mm-hmm. and all of that stuff was ubiquitous mm-hmm. you know throughout American society you grew up here in New York? yeah I grew up here they they came from uh, what the West Indies Grenada mm-hmm. Dominica wherever gotcha um, so you know their big thing was keeping me away from all of that so Box. I'm over here listening to Billy Joel and you know Nora Jones and, and Justin Timberlake like I think the first rap record I really 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 ever like had on repeat was This Can't Be Life by Jay Z and that was mainly because I just had a personal experience that that song really, you know, resonated with. But it's not like I came here like, oh, this new old album is out, let me go download it. Like, I, I happened upon that song. Like, that wasn't even something that I sought out, so. Y'all want to hear some funny-ass shit? <laughs> so, 103.5 was probably the most listened to radio station in my car up until about 2000. Wow. Yeah. I went to school, I went to middle school in Coney Island, and I was like, yo, you know what? I think, like, my sixth grade going into seventh grade, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy my first rap album. I was on uh, Nostrand and, like, Newkirk. And oh, I bought... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where I used to live. And I, I bought um, I bought a bootleg Eminem. Uh, Slim, matter of fact, the Slim Shady Project. Oh. Right? Cool. I went in the crib. I ain't know nothing about this shit. It was And it was unedited. I'm in the crib, and I'm playing this shit loud as hell, bro. My father had, like, the old school, like, yeah. mega... Yo, I had this shit on crank. My mother was just completely ignoring the whole thing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Looking back on it, I'm surprised yeah. like she ain't like slapped me to yeah, next yeah, week. I, but yo. I couldn't yo. I couldn't play dirty oh, rap records yeah. in my crib. I, oh yeah, same. Neither could I. I, I, don't, I don't know how that I don't know how that flew. I, I could barely I could barely play the quick one. Not only that, I, li- I have a younger sister. Like, yeah. Me too. Me so too. when yeah. I was really discovering that stuff, she was like eleven, you know, ten. She yeah, didn't yeah. be hearing, you know, fuck these bitches and shit like five. that. You know what I'm saying? My brother was five. I was I'm nine years older than my brother. Oh wow. I don't curse. Curse at home still. Really? Oh yeah, I can't curse at home either. My mother. I don't have shit. Yeah. I'm 27 now. I have. I mean, I'll be 30. My mother will still slap the shit out. Growing up was way different for me. Like my brother, my brother, my mother had my brother with me. She had me when she was older. Yeah. My brother's literally 20 years older. He 
So growing up, for me, it was like, all I used to hear was, hey, you get off my clap. Mm. I used to, all, all, I, all I, I remember hearing, I remember hearing ladies like, I remember hearing uh, uh, Nace Freestyle. Mm. I was like, I grew up into it. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I wanted to do this. I don't like, I don't, I didn't care about it, but it's like, it's like, damn. I kind of got to do it. He was because he used to make beats, so he used to take these. Damn, acapellas, so yeah, he was and put, them, put them on beats, and right? Put them on his beats and stuff like yeah. that. He, he he used to try to rap as well, so he had his own flow. So I grew up on. You were exposed yeah, to it. Yeah, I was exposed to it like completely mm-hmm. early. Yeah. My mother never cared that I and he used to give me like cassettes, cassettes, cassettes. Right. And so he used to boot. He used to also bootleg. So he, I used to have like a. Yo, what, a what didn't your brother do? Exactly. <laughs> to this day, to this day, he still does like, like shirts for the uh, for the for the thing. Uh, right. So I used to have this whole box full of like everything, Noriega, uh, 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 Rough Riders Value One. I had this whole box full of every cassette that came out in the 90s, and I listened to every single one, like from 1995 to 2001. So it's not like I want to do this. So it's funny that when I hear other people say that they didn't, they couldn't listen to it. So my mother didn't care if I played it loud. My father did when I used to go to my father's house. I remember I played. I was, I, was, I had a ludicrous word of mouth CD. I didn't, I didn't know my pops was home, so I, I was going to shower, or whatever. Well, I played, uh, I forgot which song it was, but if y'all ever heard Word of Mouth, everything in yeah, yeah. Yeah. the whole yeah. bitches, yeah. everything. Yep. Yep. So, I played Dumb Loud, shower. What the hell is that? <laughs> 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 Yo, turn this shit off. Came in, broke the whole city. Oh, wow. Damn. Damn. I mean, crazy. Yeah, my first, my first real experience with hip-hop, like, at least being a part of hip-hop community, wasn't until I got to the FDA. Yeah. So when I first, well, Fresh Douglas High School in Harlem, yeah. that's where I went. Um, and it's funny, we, we both went there, but I didn't meet you until after, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, when I first got to that school, that's when Jim Jones popped off. Mm-hmm. That, was that was a huge, like it was Imagine like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was everything. It was, it was. It, I, I didn't know what to do. Like it was too much. Like literally one night, I went home and everyone was chilling. And when I came back the next morning, everyone was screaming, "Boom!" Like I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And I heard someone singing the lyrics, mm-hmm. so I wrote the lyrics down on my hand. And I went home and I Googled it. And that's when I heard about Jim Jones. That's how I discovered We Fly High. And oh, no, nah, that's definitely the story of the year for the Uncle Reader show. <laughs> definitely the story of the year. <laughs> so, and this 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 is actually directly how I got into hip-hop. Because after I, when I wrote the lyrics down, I went home and I Googled it. It was on XXLMag.com. Mm-hmm. It was the first link that came up, We yeah, Fly yeah. High. And they used to have a column called Bangers. I don't know if they still have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Bangers is where they used to hear every hot new song before it hit radio, before there was a video. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. That was like my hot new hip-hop. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, that's yeah, where yeah, I went yeah. to see. So after that night, when I Googled the lyrics off my hand, every night after that for the next year, I would go on that Bangers page and see wow. all the, And that's, that's literally how I got to So I used to come to school the next day with like these crazy records on my phone because I would see the record on XXL I would see the record on XXL and then I would go line wire it throw it on my Sandisk MP3 player and I'd be on the train listening to like all the fabulous singles and Mm -hmm. shit but they didn't even hear radio yet so I would be singing it on the train telling my friends about it and I, I kind of got the reputation, like, in my class of being the kid that knew all the songs before they came out. Yeah. But it wasn't really like that. I just knew where to go. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's how yeah. I got into that's it. Yeah, that's what's up. Was, I mean, that was that was how it was for me, too. It was DX and all hip-hop, eventually. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Like, obviously, what you, you know is... Remember hip-hop game? Huh? Hip-hop game. Yeah, hip-hop I do remember hip-hop, hip-hop game. game. Dot com. Game. <laughs> before the tag, when it was popular. That I, was... I, don't, I wasn't on it when it was like that, oh but... My God. 
but I do remember it. I mean, the first CD I ever bought, rap CD I ever bought, first CD period I ever bought was Jadakiss, The Last Kiss. Mm. That was the album we put out in 2008. That was such a good album. It's a good album. 2009, 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Cartel Gathering, bro. Yep, yep, yep. Cartel Gathering, the back and forth with Styles. Yeah. Bruh. Man, that that album was was amazing. But that was the first album I bought, physical, like, CD I bought. Um, That just is what it is. Um, But, you know, kind of putting both two things together here, what really made me, like, a a hip-hop fan in earnest, what really made me feel welcome completely was... um, was this one record in 08 um, mm-hmm. and then uh, it'd be this album and, and Carter 3 was the only two things I was listening to for the summer yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Carter 3 was, was a cl- is a classic I'll swear by it no it is no it is it no is. I bought it too when it, when it dropped I oh, bought oh, yeah, that I think the Carter 3 is a classic so, I, think the I agree no it is we'll, 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 go there, we'll go there in a minute but the other the other, the other album and the, the song was uh, The Third World by Immortal Technique mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was because he was talking about shit I could relate to that I knew that my you know my relatives and my world that's where I'm from the third yeah. world like I'm not from the third it's the third world so mm-hmm. I've, I've seen the things he was talking about I've read about the things he talked about and it had a connection to me I'm, mm-hmm. from, I'm a brown kid in a post 9-11 world mm-hmm. it was yeah. real it hit home what he was talking about hit home that's my favorite rapper uh, because of that album and because of his back, his work before that, that's my favorite rapper. I've been on the phone with Leo Cohen. and Leo asked me, "Who's your favorite rapper?" I said, "Immortal Technique." You know, that's just I will. I'm not gonna. I'm not afraid to tell anybody that's my yeah. favorite rapper. Yeah. And and that you can't take that from me. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to what Vince is saying that your experiences personally make you the rap fan that you are, mm-hmm. and you can't take that from somebody else. They can appreciate the eras and the histories and do the research and all that, but what they like is what they like and why they like things are why they like them and you can't take that from another person. And that's all he was saying. Like, Lupe. huh? Lupe was amazing. Um, that's awesome. you saying that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So you just can't take that personal connection to an artist away. Like, that, that'll always be a favorite rapper. I mean, maybe people will argue about Jay-Z versus Nas or whatever, and I'm part of those arguments, and mm-hmm. I love both of them, whatever. Mm-hmm. But my favorite rapper is Immortal Technique, and I will always go to Immortal Technique before I go to somebody else. That's what it is. Basically, people, love who you love and be proud of it. Exactly. Yo, my, whole thing is, my whole thing, for real, though, is Kendrick hit the corn. That's why I want to say hit the corn. I said Oh, <laughs> yeah. I did see that. That was that was a, That was dope. That was dope. That was dope. That was pretty you excellent. Like, you can like whatever you want to like. Man. That's, that's the whole thing for the conversation. That's what's dope. But Carter 3 is not, bro. It's good. Carter, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't Carter 3 is classic. It's good, but it's a classic. Why, why, why do you say it's not a classic? Because it's, it's like the songs on there, I do not like at all. Like, like it's just like some of the worst songs. I don't like. I don't. I don't. Some like of the worst songs though. Mr. Carter? Is that Mr. Carter? He said we said something like said something like. I'll have to go back the and look, look at the whole track. Oh. Oh. Like, but I'm not even gonna like what? I'm not gonna remember that. Nah, I was I like la la la. It was it was. I forgot how this. We are not the same. I'm watching that one. Yeah, that shit. Um, phone phone home. Yeah, like shit like that. Like come on. Phone home, Weezy. But that shit was. That was a banger. That was a banger. See? Then there's certain shit on there like let the beat build in the intro. Oh, that's a classic. Oh, that is a classic. Oh, let the beat build. Like come on. You ain't got nothing on me. That you ain't got. Yo, I don't. I don't even like nothing. What? You don't like? I like Fabers. What? I like Fabers. 
And, and this is how music. Your face right now. And you this is like how music is subjective, one. basically. Get you three, four, uh-huh. get you like the number after one number get me. Are you yes, yes, that's, that's Weezy F. But, 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 so, so you think his Mercedes don't? My money don't so fold over bands. Right? As, as a body of work, it goes beyond the bars. It goes into records, and and that is the pinnacle of Lil Wayne on a creative end, in my opinion, because that's the peak Lil Wayne. Because there was uh, uh, maybe people will argue, people will argue, you know, there were better projects, better mixtape projects, better mm-hmm. albums. Carter Three might be better than Carter Three, maybe. But Wayne was going in an upward trajectory, right? Carter Three is the peak of that trajectory in terms of commercial approval. Huh? Yeah, it is. It is. Lollipop's on there. Get money's on there. I love Get Money. I don't like Get Money at all. I, I didn't like Lollipop, but I knew what Lollipop oh, was the minute that. I heard it. Yeah, like, right. When I heard it, it was like. I don't like the oh, the remix is next level. <laughs> Kanye Kanye killed that. The Doritos. Oh yes, nacho cheese, bro. <laughs> 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 the Doritos. Oh, oh, that was low. <laughs> what a low blow. Oh man. Hold on, motherfuckers. Only one can take it. But nah. So like, I mean, I, I the minute I heard Lollipop, I knew what it what I um. I knew what it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I knew I didn't. It wasn't for me. But everything after that, kind of, he's the kind of, in my opinion, never competed with Carter Three. So that's why. Yeah, I, I agree. Peak. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, thought yeah, that I album was a classic. My Carter favorite Lil Wayne album is Carter. I get what Carter Two. I get why people say that Carter Three is a classic. Mm-hmm. To me, it didn't mean as much as Carter Two. Okay. Maybe that's why I don't see mm-hmm. it as a classic. I feel that. Like I feel like it was. I mean, it was obviously a, a, a great album, and it was a, a concerted and successful pop effort. Like. I'd never seen. I don't. I can't remember an artist so quickly going successfully from super boom bap rap to pop that quickly from one album to the next. Like yeah. that was crazy. But at the same time, I, I don't know. There's there's something. Nah, Carter two is better than Carter one. I think I, I think the Carter difference between had, Carter, the two. Carter one. <laughs> I think that the difference between Carter one, two, and three is that you could see how much more people. How much more people began to respect not just him, but respect this, his style and this, the overall style hear, of Southern rap. JR, so, please? Yeah, of course, yeah. I lived in, I lived, I lived North Carolina. I had no choice. Yo, my nigga, Carter, the mob was on Carter too. This conversation is over. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will tattoo the mob on my mind. Money on my mind and hustle music are also on Carter too. Money on my mind is like, money on my mind was like. Bro, the, the mob, bro, 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 like, the mob, the mob, bro, bro. Money bro. On my mind. I remember, I, I feel you. Everybody's MySpace page said, I feel you, beloved. Like a star, I, bitch, when you see me make wish. Everybody <laughs> thought they was a star because of that. So, I feel that. you, I feel you. You bro. remember. <laughs> you was there for it. I feel you, beloved. But too. The mob is like one of the most influential verses I've ever heard in my life of any genre. Like I, I like I'll take the mob. I'll take the mob over the first verse. He did. Yep. Nicki Minaj allegedly. A few others. Oh, you give me for. Give me the sound. Nigga 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 sound. Okay. That if there's one verse that you will never let somebody say someone else go, even if even if it's on paper, if there's one verse from all three of them artists, with like what's the verse? Well, I would say the mob, the mob, Lil Wayne. If if someone tells me another someone else not named Lil Wayne that ain't gonna do with that verse, I'm done with this whole. I wouldn't believe it. I'm quitting my job. I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting up from here. Like it's it's not. Wow. There's certain things that you just can't. 
It's too late. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's too late. Yeah. Like I already turned. I already turned. You only turned 21 once. That was that was your chance. I was thinking about two families. So wait, it's one verse from each of the artists. That's true. That's true. I asked the question because I was thinking about grandfather. I'm like. There's nobody in No, no, no. I was making a joke about yeah, consequence. I'm like, there's yeah, no way nah, in hell somebody else yeah. Grammy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm partial. I don't want, I'm, pe- I don't want people to... I'm partial to Grammy family, but if there's a Kanye verse that I really would not let someone take from me, it's gone. The, fir- the first and last verse on Gone. The whole song to me. There's no mm-hmm. way. Like, when he said, oh, man, I can't remember the fucking hard. But, I mean, ah. but see, here's the thing. Like, in other genres of music, a songwriter, like... People have written songs yeah, about the deaths rap, of other it, people's dads and moms yeah, and things you, like that. They've yeah. like the whole emotion comes from the artist, but that doesn't mean he wrote the verse. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't rap, matter. No, you know, rap is no. different. It's much different. You know, rap, it's much different. Rap, 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 rap is rap, the words matter more in rap than in any other genre I, ever. I know there was a whole Nas controversy with, with Electronica, and but, I'm not gonna get into that. But if somebody told me, I think if somebody told me that. Um, uh, rapper's a monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. If that somebody told me that was like Barry's professor wrote that or some shit, then that might be that might be done. Might be done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, there's always that one verse. Like for Ye, it would be gone. For Wayne, it would be Mob. And for Drake, it'd probably be Say What's Real. Someone told me someone else wrote Say What's Real. I'm totally done. Like totally. Mm-hmm. Like my sister came and listened to Drake. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't do. I don't do. You don't, you don't have I don't no, have it for Drake. I don't, versus, I don't no, think I have it for Say what's real. Just, say what's real just meant so much to for me. For Drake, I, I would do, uh, what's this shit called? Uh, uh, you like the weirdest verses from people. I'm always fascinated. Nah, nah. Uh, uh, something, something for he that doesn't. Like, he black on that whole entire song. I forgot what it was, but I forgot how this shit go. He, like, this is what, And uh, that's why I don't do verses how, how like can, that. Um, I, I, I can't remember the whole, if I can't remember the whole thing, I don't want to talk about it. If I can't remember this shit from Saturday, I don't want to talk about it. Since I used to like really like do shit, so like if I remember the beginning of it, I could give you a whole verse. I just can't. Um, I can never remember the beginning. And I always want to hire a specific bar, and I never can get to the beginning. Dreams money bar. That's what it was. Oh. If somebody told me that, really? If somebody told me that somebody wrote that verse, oh, that wasn't even that great. Man. What? The whole, write that down. Money can buy greater than Drake. Absolutely. Write it down. Write down the lyrics for Dreams Money Can Buy. Nah, that wasn't write that great. Bro. No, write I remember. I read it. No, no, don't, don't, don't rap it. Read it. That was a joint where he used sample Jai Pose. Don't fuck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? That's exactly. Tell me, Dreams Money Can Buy. Push D, push D version greater than Drake version. I, I, oh yeah, the swag don't match the sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Push a push a got push push, push, push his body that shit. Push yeah. one of those rappers where it's like you know that's my favorite. Like he's like he's so great, but he's not mentioned or anything, and it gets me so upset because it's like well that's people. Cool. I, but yeah, Cause I, he rap yeah, better than just about everybody. Yeah, but and I listen to and I listen to like the clips I'm doing like just having a whole different perspective on shit like that. Yeah, 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 we. The next question is the last question. Let's not bring up pushing team. <laughs> you know, next question is the last question, um, and it's one that's more so focused on the social aspects of hip hop itself and the social aspects of the hip hop culture. Has hip hop done enough for the black movement this year? Talking not just artists, not just stars, down all the way down to the execs. Well, ain't no black execs, so <laughs> we Boom. we can just do that. I mean, there are black people in executive positions. Hmm. But it's a di- it's a different well, it's a different standard. Well framed. Yeah, no black execs. Well but framed. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's like I said. This is not just this goes similar to the argument we were having about women. You know, it's not just a 
a genre question. It's kind of a people and society question. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. You know, hip-hop is always going to mirror. Hip-hop is the voice of the youth. Mm-hmm. It's always going to mirror what youth everywhere is doing, whether you listen to rap or not. So, you know, I think, you know, I think it's really just, I don't know, how much is enough? You know, it's that that's really, you know, to me, like, I love what J. Cole did earlier this year. You know, he I made try, me. A, he made me a fan. I wasn't. Yeah, I, I did not, not listen to, to J. Cole that I, Like I don't. I, I try not to judge rappers based on on what they do. You know, politically, just because you know sometimes it's just not fair. You know what I mean? Like you, like you know, people like to get on Young Thug because he makes a lot of controversial comments. You know, mm-hmm. he was on the red carpet one time, and I think he said, "I'll leave that to the politicians" yep. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was very. It was a bad. It was bad to say in that moment on that stage. It was distasteful given the climate, mm-hmm. but. I didn't go home and like delete Young Thug off my computer because he said that. Yeah, you know I don't I mean? want to yeah. hear Young Thug like, talk about politics. Exactly. Like yeah. I know where because I listen to him so much and I follow his career. I know what Young Thug comes from. I know where his reality is, and it's not a reality that confers him the opportunity to speak on some of these issues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Young Thug is as much a victim of the very things that you know we're trying to protect our youth against as anybody. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. So. You know, why would you want him to be your spokesman, right? Now, sure, he shouldn't be the one denouncing it necessarily Absolutely on national not. TV, mm-hmm. but, you know, the alternative is not for him to get up there in a suit and tie and say, you know, black power. Like, everyone has to just be who they are and exactly. play their role. I mean, yeah. he, he can silently support whatever. You know, I'm not, no one, I don't think any, I don't think, I don't think any sane person would think that Young Thug is against the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... The reality of it is that he's not going to be the guy on your front lines, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way the world has been for hundreds of years. Like, there were so many people that wanted to abolish slavery. They weren't the ones, you know, signing the Emancipation Proclamation. That's just what it is. You know what I mean? So, I think you know how much is enough is the real question here, and I think you do what you can, you know. And can is relative. Like I said, Doug is not going to be the one. Know, in Washington with Louis Farrakhan you know <laughs> you know but there are you know the reports of his conversation with Farrakhan is that Farrakhan really believed that he was a powerful youth with a powerful voice and he's going to use it for what he uses it for and that's going to affect people in ways that you know none of us can really discern yet but I think you know I think everybody's just got to play a role that they believe in the, the last thing you want people doing is, is conforming to what they feel like they should be doing. That's when everything fucks up. That's true. I'd rather have people not doing than people doing what they don't believe in. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I mean. I feel that. I mean, I think if you think about it, hip-hop is kind of in a similar position as like social media itself, which is to say it's a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. right? Social media has brought in a lot of accountability and, and uh, a sense of justice to pop culture, uh, to, you know, society as a whole, with its quick response to certain mm-hmm. things, like issues of Ferguson, etc. Uh, but at the same time, because it is so much going on there, it's and it's a very ADD-based culture, on one minute you're talking about Ferguson, the next minute on social media you're talking about the Kardashian family, about some personal life of a family yeah. that lives in California or something. Facts. So, you know, I think on the same token, you have guys like Game or, or, you know, other artists who on one minute they're talking about, um, you know, these issues of police brutality, etc. 
and on the next minute their minds are somewhere else and they're talking about something else and they're using their voice to talk about gosh knows what and uh you know it, it just is what it's a it's a reflection of the time we live in mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of people guys like killer mike who have now exploded into a more mainstream role having done these festival stages and you know really taking the next step with the run the jewels movement to use that platform that he's gained to to be the sort of spokesperson for these issues and things like that I think he's done a great job. I think J. Cole, with his part of his whole persona of being this every man, has allowed that to manifest itself in Ferguson in a great way. Mm -hmm. I think Kendrick, with his music, you know, spoke on things in a very nuanced way and did a great job with his album and the artwork and, and all of that. Um, uh, and there's a few other examples as well. Um, and I think all, all you can do is 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 look for these examples, you know, to continue to do what they do. Beyond that, as, as Kari pointed out, there just aren't people in power of color, of colored background in these label offices. Mm -hmm. And and business is business is, oh, who said it? Yeah, it was Drake on Versace. Business is business is strictly financial. Like, that, that is just what it is um, up there. And, and so I think getting that to change may be hard, but at the same time, um, this kind of goes back to the female rappers as well as some of these things that are very systemic is that the pool is getting wider the number of artists that can come in is larger because now you know there's the pie is like is split into smaller pieces mm -hmm. so now there isn't going to be the mega mega star necessarily there's going to be fewer mega mega stars there's going to be a lot of people kind of in the same boat yeah. so that creates the opportunity for people of different backgrounds of different molds to sort of present themselves like people like action process can exist because it's kind of a new world Azalea mm. Banks's etc can exist because it's a new space the and rap. chance the rapper leaf etc and mm. more and more of these out-of-the-box characters will appear and so more and more of people who don't fit that traditional mold of a Clive Davis or a Lear Cohen will appear in the executive space over time and I think that's kind of what we're looking for right now is the idea of these this of the pie um, changing because of the era that we're in right now. So I think that's all we can hope for and that's all we can like continue to, to try to encourage. Okay, so we really, you know, the, these best the, these best conversations that we have, they there never is enough time <laughs> to have that, to, to really sit down and discuss everything. I really want to appreciate you guys both for coming through here. Thank you, Thank you so um, much. We're so grateful. As you can tell, my alarm clock is, is ringing right now. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, man. You know, um, but yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for coming in. We definitely have to do another one of these, man. Like, there's so much we could have talked about. Man, so much we could have talked about. But uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you for coming through. And um, I guess my closing words is, folks, don't forget that your favorite rapper is probably West Indian. Uh, <laughs> hey. Really radio, though. So. <laughs> Good morning. Morning. All right. The Encore Radio Show is an indie creative network production. Recorded at Redbird Studio and executively produced by Chris Scope Aesthetic.